Good morning. I think I'm a little bit better today. I think so. We'll see how it goes. It's been a struggle these last couple of days, but, um, you know, good to be here. Happy Tuesday. Tuesday edition of GCR. I'm Glennie's Griffin. Carson Weekly is here as well. Busy day on tap. Coming up in a bit, Chuck Pagano is going to join us, former Ravens defensive coordinator, NFL head coach. He recently did a uh, sit-down with John Harbaugh for the 33rd team, so we're going to find out more about what he learned from his uh, former boss, I guess. It's an interesting dynamic for an interview. We're going to chat with Coach Pagano, get his thoughts on maybe some of the concerns that we might have defensively for the Ravens. Like, do do they have enough in the secondary? Do they... Do they... Do they have enough at edge rush? Like, those things are a bit... Do they have enough at wide receiver? That's not a defensive issue, but Griffin, that's not... Um... Yeah, but he could weigh in, probably. Right, but when I said we're going to talk about the concerns that we have about the Ravens' defense, that would be unrelated. I appreciate you half paying attention, but, like, if I could, maybe maybe a little bit more. Maybe, maybe like, 75%. Is that... Can I ask for that? Yeah, all right, that's fair. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll do that in a bit. Also this morning, Ryan McKenna from the Baltimore Orioles will check in with us, and we'll catch up with an old friend of mine, Coach Ralph Regan. As we discussed yesterday, the uh, ballot came out for the College Football Hall of Fame this week, and his name is on it. So, um, you know, I just wanted to catch up. I, I think he's extraordinarily deserving, and I think it's very difficult for people to understand because he doesn't have the overwhelming win totals that some coaches might have that show up on the ballot, but coaches' win total at Maryland should probably count as about three times that much should he have been somewhere else where, you know, you win in football. So I I know it's difficult to say grade him on a curve, but I think he should be graded on a curve because it was Maryland. Maryland football, which overwhelmingly in everyone's lives has been a non-entity except for a stretch when Ralph Regan made it an entity. We'll talk to him about that. So that's all coming up on the program today. Today's show is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More A.J. Hello, AJMichaels.com. So he won, an AC, he won the A.C.C. his first year? Yes, reach the Orange Bowl. Wow. <laughs> Griffin reads Wikipedia. Is this the yeah. portion of the program that we're doing now? I'm sorry. I'm just trying to make sure that you, had, you remember everything, remember, everything straight. You remember that time you beat Florida State? That that was awesome. Okay, yeah. You don't know that reference either. Oh. That's fine. All right. Well, here we go. I was one year old. Ah, uh, here we go. Hey, man. Hey, man. I know what I did. I, when we made the choice of who we were hiring, I knew exactly how old you were. <laughs> but the wow, he won the ACC. That's well, yeah, that's cool. In his first year, that's yes, was. it was in his first year. That is the way that it went. They did they actually lost to Florida State that year, which was a bummer. Because if not, they could have been in the mix. Wow, <laughs> for the national chain, which is the craziest part about that season, right? Like the insanity of that year is that. If they had just beat Florida State, then all of a sudden, who knows? Like, it was goofy at the end of the year. This is, pre, of course, very much predates the college football mm-hmm. playoff. But 
so they definitely would have made in a in a year where the college football playoff existed. If they had beat Florida State, they would have been in the college football playoff. They probably would have been left out of the title game if they had beaten Florida State, but it would have been tough doing it. It would have been very difficult to take an ACC team and say, eh, you're Maryland, so we won't let you in. Like, that would have been a tough thing for them to have done. I don't – I still don't know if they would have let Maryland into the national championship game. But they lost to Florida State, so it doesn't matter. Like, it's it's irrelevant. They'll be back this year. Yeah? You think this is the big year? Yeah. Next year is when they go to title. 12 teams. Right? They don't need it's next year. not this year. This year it's still four, and then the following year it would be 12 teams. They go play for the, uh, the in the college whatever are they still calling it the college football playoff? Or are they going to call it something so. else when they then they expand it? I feel like they should give it a I new know, name. Give it the all the names we've had football. over there. The BCS, the, the all of the what was the what was it before the BCS? It was something else. The Bowl Alliance, I think it was called. Boy, man, I would love to have a new name. Something really stupid. Um, I did not watch the hockey last night. I'm sorry. I do happen to know that Vegas is up 2-0 in the series. I I always feel bad about this. Like I know that. When I say, "Hey, I watch I watch all of the NBA playoffs," and I just I just have found that the NHL is the thing that I end up checking out on, which is a bummer. Because sometimes, every now and then, like when there's a game seven or when a game's going to like five overtimes, I'll find myself saying, "Oh hell yeah, it's time for me to get back on board." But I, I just there's nothing about this series that was particularly interesting to me. I'm sure for hockey fans it is, but it just don't do it for me. Unfortunately, I know that. These are two well-built teams, and Florida's a great story, although Florida looks like they're going to whimper out of these Stanley Cup finals. As well, they were down 3-1 to Boston. That is true, but Best I don't, think they, were getting, history, I don't think they were getting their butts kicked quite like this in that series. I don't remember, but I don't think they were getting their... Yeah, it was like they, two months ago. They're kind of getting walloped in the first couple games of the Stanley Cup finals. It is a bit one-sided. Um, Orioles, of course, get back into action tonight against Milwaukee. We do not still know what the plan is as far as they have not announced a starting pitcher for tomorrow. So we talked about this last week. They don't the, – the deal with the fifth starter is that they could, based on yesterday's off day, wait until Saturday to go with a fifth starter. They also could just decide to try to keep everybody on turn. And the advantage of that being just an extra day for these guys and maybe you're still worried about, say, like Tyler Wells' innings limit. So – you you don't want to have him bump up a day than when he would have to pitch. Things like that. We know it'll be Kyle Gibson tonight. That, of course, makes sense. Kyle Gibson's the guy that's here to eat innings. He's supposed to be able to throw 5,000 innings if necessary this season. So, you know, like, of course, you're not concerned about him. But then the question is, which way do they want to go tomorrow? Because tomorrow, if they stayed on turn, would be the turn for the fifth starter in the rotation. If they decide to use the off day to reset they could just wait until saturday they have not tipped their hand presumably you'll get an answer on that the other question of course today will be is that the, the thing that we discussed yesterday is there a follow-up from them calling up heston kerstad to AAA? is there a because they're planning on calling so and so up we're we're thinking that you get danny coulomb back and then josh lester goes back down to AAA. Do they want to keep Josh Lester at the major league level? And that's the reason why they brought up Heston Kerstad is because they're intending to keep Josh Lester here for a little bit because they just – like, by the way, I, and I, I'm not saying it, that they can't do it, but the way this fan base would melt down if today they announced – by the way, we're sending Taryn Vavra back down. 
and replacing him with Josh Lester on the roster. Like, this yeah. fan base would melt the F down. Especially because it probably means that Gunner's injury would be more, more serious. Mm, uh, you're, you're reading too much into that. Okay. I'm only talking about the part where just the you're, fact, making a just rost- the idea. you're making a roster move after you called Heston Kerstad up. Everybody's getting excited about the idea of it being Westberg or Kowser. And then you say, for Josh Lester. <laughs> and everybody loses their minds over it. Like, what in the F are we doing? You are thinking entirely too much about any okay. other ramification of it. I am being very simplistic. Everybody in this fan base wants it to be one of two guys. And if it's not either of those two guys, like if it's Daz Cameron, they're going to lose their minds. That's just the way it'll go, which doesn't mean it's right or wrong. just means that this fan base will melt down if someone gets called up that's name isn't Westberg or Kowser. They might not call anybody up. I mean, they really might just say, we only bumped up Heston Kerstad because we thought he was ready. Like, we had nothing to do with anything else that was going on. We thought he was ready for AAA, so we moved him up. There was no follow-up to be coming from that about who was moving up from AAA to the major leagues. I I don't know. I don't know. And I was trying to peruse to make sure I didn't miss anything. And I don't don't. think you have. Well, I know Rock wrote something lengthy this morning. And unfortunately, when he doesn't, like, pull out a a headline, he did say that, like, Kulam is expected to rejoin the team. But, you know. Nothing else. Nothing else in there about what could be coming in the next couple of days. So, um, you know, that's where we are. We'll just have to see where it goes. And I I certainly, I, I wouldn't say I expect there to be a move as much as it's interesting the timing of when they would call up Heston Kerstad if it isn't related to anything else they're intending to do, particularly as it appears as though there's no justification any longer for at least Westberg, and maybe even for the moment, Kowser. Maybe that's unfair. They could certainly say, hey, we, we think Kowser could use another week. He just got back on Saturday. We think he could use another week. In normal... How many days did he actually miss? Did he miss like a, a It was more, than a, it was it was more, more than, than a week. It was more than a week because he went, on the, he went on the seven-day IL, and he was on it for longer than seven days. So it was closer to two weeks that he was out. But I don't know if it was a full two weeks that he right. was out. I could absolutely see them saying, well, we think that he could use at least another week before we we, dictate, we deem that he's ready. Now, that certainly doesn't mean that they're going to call him up after another full week, but just they could justify, we don't think it's quite appropriate yet for Kowser to be up here. Westberg, I mean, my God. Like, yeah. What in the world else can the dude do to justify the fact that he shouldn't be at AAA any longer? The other news from yesterday was Ravens-related as they went out and got their guy at wide receiver. You guys kept asking for them to maybe add one more in. They wanted a first-round receiver, you, and you they got him. one more guy. You said, let's go. We're not done yet. Even though they got Beckham and Bateman and Flowers, they still need one more receiver. And they heard you, and they said, you're damn right we do. And they went out and got him. Laquan Treadwell, baby. That's the guy, Laquan Treadwell. Former first-round pick of the Minnesota Vikings. And, dude, I said this on Twitter yesterday. For those that that have been around for a long time, you might remember I was in love with Laquan Treadwell. I, when he was at Ole Miss, like uh, Carson Weekly, a couple of Ole Miss legends, Laquan Treadwell and Carson Weekly. I think he's got me (coughs) edged out. I don't know, man. Don't sell yourself short. Uh, A couple of Ole Miss legends. Um, when he was at Ole Miss, I was so enamored with Laquan Treadwell that that was a – I'm trying to remember what this, if that was the year that Flacco got hurt. 
But it was a year in which the Ravens. What what year was Treadwell drafted? Uh, fifteen, twenty fifteen. He was. So that would have been off the fourteen season. So that doesn't. Uh, sorry, twenty sixteen. Twenty. Yes, that yes, now yes, we're doing the math yeah, right. Yeah. Yes, twenty fifteen when Flacco got hurt, and I remember like trying to start a hashtag in town, tread bad for Treadwell. I was so in love with Laquan Treadwell. I that was my guy. And I've had plenty of guys. You wanted him at sixth overall? Uh that was when we took Stanley. Stanley. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure I did. But I, I think if I remember correctly, this started before we knew it was going to be six overall. Gotcha. All I knew is that I thought he was going to be the first receiver off the board. We got to go back to the 2016 draft because I'm pretty it. sure I the other uh, receivers. Leonard also, Floyd was a ninth overall pick. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the other receivers also ended up stinking. Corey I'm, Coleman Corey was Coleman, the first receiver yes. at 15th overall. And then overall. wasn't. Will Fuller was Will 21st. Will Fuller was okay. Josh Dot. So went Fuller, Dotson, Josh Doxson. Yeah. Uh, it was, Laquan Treadwell, it was not a great year for receivers. And Laquan Treadwell only fell because he had an injury, if I remember correctly. Laquan Treadwell was trending to be a top five, top ten pick, top Michael receiver. Michael Thomas went in the second round. Yeah, and so did Tyler Boyd, too. There. It turns out the receivers later in the draft were very good. The and first Sterling round Shepherd, receivers okay. were a not, mess. Not terrible. The first round receivers, not so much. Uh, but if I remember correctly, I'm trying to remember what the injury was. There was a. Um, Let's see, pull up his college career. Oh, here. it was in his 2014 season. He, it was a gruesome injury. He broke his tibia and Ooh. dislocated his ankle. He was very much trending to be a top wide receiver. Even after the injury, he came back for another year and was still a first-round pick because his talent was so overwhelming that everybody was willing to say, all right, it's just the injury. He was just fighting his way back. Like We'll still look at this as a first-round wide receiver. I loved Laquan Treadwell. I was wrong, obviously. Laquan Treadwell has been nothing. I mean, there's not barely even been glimpses of him being an NFL player. Frankly, it's stunning to me that Laquan Treadwell is still in the NFL. Yeah. Like, I, when, uh, his, when, when the Ravens signed him, I said to myself, wow, when was the last time Laquan Treadwell? Because you don't get worked up about a signing like this. This is here, you're a camp body. You know, we're going to bring in 100 wide receivers. You certainly are not uh, guaranteed anything. But if you want a chance to come in and run around for a couple of weeks because you don't have a job, sure, we'll give you a chance to come in and run around for a couple of weeks. And, you know, if, if, if all hell breaks loose and three of our wide receivers get hurt, we might need an extra wide receiver on the roster. Um, but I, I really said to myself, like, God, when was Laquan Treadwell last in the NFL? And then I read that it was last year, and I was like, no. He had six catches. No way year. he was in the NFL last year. No, no way. I was, when, when I saw the news yesterday, I was thinking, I was like, dude, I, don't even, I couldn't even tell you the last time I saw him on the field like, I, watching a game. I could not have named a single team that he played for post-Minnesota. I did not. I, like my, If you had forced me to bet, <laughs> I would have said his career ended after Minnesota. As it turns out, he's been running around for a few teams the last couple of years. Not doing anything. No. <laughs> but he's still I mean, very much been in the NFL. Career in high Jacksonville in, ever? Yeah, career, apparently yeah. in Jacksonville. Career high in receiving yards, 434 with uh, Jacksonville in 2021. Look at that. So. Nah, maybe, they, maybe they found something. Um, I, I don't really have much else to say. I, it, it's not worth spending this much time talking about Laquan Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell is here to be a camp body. Now, in their world, and with the practice squad rules changing a few years ago, they might say to themselves, look, if he doesn't have any other opportunities, we'll stash Laquan Treadwell on our practice squad because there's a chance in week nine that things go wrong and we'd be better off bringing someone up that's an NFL veteran 
that has been practicing with us and in our system, unlike when they tried to make it Des Bryant a few years ago and they were never comfortable, if we go through injuries and later on in the year we have to have someone dress, we'd rather it be someone that both has NFL experience and has been in our building, working in our offense, working with our quarterback, all of those things, than a street free agent that we would pick up. So that's the that's as much as needs to be said about Laquan Treadwell. Yes, it's more interesting than someone else that they would assign. Even like, I've never heard of this dude because we have heard of Laquan Treadwell. We remember thinking that he was an outstanding player. We remember him being a first-round pick, all of those things. But there's nothing there. He's not here to compete you know, really, they'll say he's going to get an opportunity to compete, but he's not really here to compete for a roster spot. He's really here to show that it's worth keeping him around in some fashion as a practice squad guy so that if they need a receiver at some point in the season, they sure as hell hope they don't, but if they were to need a receiver, they would be able to call upon him. The The follow-up question is, well, does that does doing something like this mean – that from a sheer numbers perspective, they just couldn't sign DeAndre Hopkins. No, they have nothing to do with each other. Like, let's not, let's not kid ourselves about that. They, they would if DeAndre Hopkins comes along, they'll just let somebody else that's on the roster go. Like, th- this is if if they look at the roster numbers and say, oh, we just have one too many wide receivers running around, then one of these guys goes. That's that's the end of it. I mean, I. There's an entirely different conversation to be had about, you know, the three guys that they drafted that they tried to tell us we they thought were players and whether there's really a role for those guys, Prochet, Duvernay, and Tylon Wallace. If we assume at the moment that Nelson Aguilar is going to make the roster, and even that I don't know is a given, but if we assume that he's going to make the roster, then we know who the top four wide receivers are on the team at the moment. I don't know how many they're planning on keeping, but it smells like there's no way that all three of those guys can be on the team. Now, again, injuries certainly are a factor here. It smells like there's simply no way for you to carry seven wide receivers. Now, Duvernay probably has a role no matter what as a return man, and so he gets the leg up on a roster spot because he offers you something as a returner, provided he's healthy. I guess I haven't really thought about that um, in a little while, but provided he's healthy... He's got a leg up on a roster spot. So the question becomes, are they guaranteeing Nelson Aguilar a spot? Like, or are they saying, Nelson Aguilar, you got to compete against Prochet, and we're going to see who we feel better about. Or you got to compete against Tylon Wallace. Um, but Laquan Treadwell is not in here to compete. And I, I've said it along. I'm still interested in the DeAndre Hopkins discussion, but gun to my head, I don't think they're doing it. I don't think they're bringing in DeAndre Hopkins. I think they've done what they're going to do at wide receiver. They got Laquan Treadwell. What else could you ask for? I think they're do I think they're done at that position. I would be surprised. I, I don't know if I could say stunned, but I would definitely be surprised if they still went that route. But the longer that he's out there and the less that you see like that's the other interesting part of this. That there's not a market right now. It well, there's not a known Yeah. <clears throat> you would think that a player of DeAndre Hopkins caliber Given that we're in a dead period for NFL news, all of these insiders would be racing to try to report about DeAndre Hopkins because there's what else is there to report about right now? Laquan Treadwell? Apparently. What else can get clicks, can get 
you know, interactions on Twitter other than DeAndre Hopkins news, and yet we really haven't gotten any. Like, there just hasn't been much in, in the way of reporting about DeAndre Hopkins. Now, that might be DeAndre Hopkins saying, yeah, I'm going to wait this thing out. I have no interest in going to training camp. I, I, the preseason ain't going to do anything for me. I That could be DeAndre Hopkins making his own choice of, I don't feel the need to ramp up this process because running around in July don't do a damn thing for me at this point in my career. It might very well be that, you know, I, I don't really know what else, what else the real, or it could just be it's the summer and he doesn't feel like dealing with it. Like, I'll, I'll show up, but I'm not, you know, like it's not like there's somebody else for a team to spend the money on that if I don't move this process along, they're going to say, well, we're just going to sign so-and-so instead. But are you replacing me with Laquan Treadwell? So I, I don't know why it is that we have not heard much in the way of news about DeAndre Hopkins. I couldn't tell you why it appears to be a slow-moving market, other than it just might be DeAndre Hopkins' choice to say, I'm not in a rush. Like, I'm going to enjoy a few weeks off. It's the summer, and then I'll deal with this when I want to deal with it. And the teams that have cap space right now are still going to have it then because there's nothing else to spend your cap space on at the moment. So I'm not too worried about it. But it is, it is interesting that there hasn't at least publicly been that type of demand or fervor about the DeAndre Hopkins market. That's, that's kind of all I can say. All right, today's show also brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is only available for about one more week. We are getting into the nitty-gritty with this print issue of PressBox, so get to your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations from around town where you find PressBox. Read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. That pipeline primer issue of PressBox about these players we've been talking about that could be here very soon for the Baltimore Orioles. It's always a pleasure to catch up with our next guest here on GCR. He is, of course, a former Ravens defensive coordinator, former NFL head coach, and he recently sat down with his former boss, John Harbaugh, for a one-on-one at the 33rd team. He is our friend Chuck Pagano, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up, as always. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on with you guys. No, it's great to chat with you, man. I, before we get into the conversation you had with John Harbaugh, we were just coming out of a conversation that we were having. Um, I, I'm kind of like, I don't want to say confused, but it's interesting to me that we're not really seeing the market for DeAndre Hopkins kind of get whipped up right now. We're interested in Baltimore because why wouldn't we be? It's DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, the Ravens are trying to win a Super Bowl. So why not be interested in the guy? But I've been I, I, I found it odd that you have two young receivers in Baltimore, two first-round picks, and I think you've got to prioritize developing those guys and moving those guys forward, and I don't know what happens to that if you bring in a DeAndre Hopkins after you already brought in an Odell Beckham. If you were making decisions, and, you know, you've been in this situation before, what would you do in a situation like this when a guy is out there that we know is unbelievably talented but knowing you already have internally some guys that you really want to be a big part of this solution moving forward? That's a great question. And obviously, I mean, they just signed Laquan Treadwell as well, right? Yeah, they did. I'm not not sure how significant that will end up being. We'll see. No, I'm with you. But to your point where, you know, OBJ's there, 
they've got Bateman, they got Flowers first rounder this year. So anytime you bring in, you know, a bunch of vets, you want to have veterans uh, in all your rooms, you know, not just the wide receiver room, but you want to have vets in there to kind of show these guys the ropes, you know, how to be great professionals, uh, what it means to be a rave, all that stuff. But anytime you do that and you add guys, you're talking about slowing down the, the, uh, the growth of these guys. And you want to get them reps. There's only so in the off season. Let's be honest, right? <clears throat> OTAs are, are way different. You're not you're not out there for two, two and a half, three hours. You're not getting you know 80, 90 reps. There's a limited uh, amount of snaps. There's a limited uh, limited amount of time that you can develop these guys. So they've got good young talent. They brought in uh, a couple veteran guys. Aguilar, you can add that name. Sure. How significant, you know, like you said, Treadwell Aguilar. Um, is to that mix. Again, I think you you want to get those young guys uh, on the grass, get them out there as much as possible, develop them, and see what they can do. That's the sense that I get. I, I guess what what it's measured against, and I know this is you know we can start talking about the conversation you had with John Harbaugh. It's measured against what appears in general to be a year of significant change for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, right? Like it's it's. I don't know that we say it's it's a wildly new concept, but they are. They're clearly no longer committed to the run first, almost run always ideas of a Greg Roman offense. And they've gone a different route at offensive coordinator. They went out and they got Nodell Beckham. They drafted another wide receiver. They paid Lamar Jackson a boatload of money this offseason, made him the richest player in NFL history after a contentious conversation. What do you make of how different things are going to look for the Baltimore Ravens after your conversation with John Harbaugh? Well, obviously, the first part of that was, you know, getting Lamar back in the building, getting him re-signed, you know, top priority. So they've got former, you know, MVP of the league in 2019 under center. Uh, he's going to be healthy, all that kind of stuff. So check that box. And then you have what I call kind of a seismic shift, I think philosophically a little bit, moving on from the Greg Roman run offense, who they had great success with. Uh, to Todd Munkin, who I think wants to deploy more more wide receivers on the field. We're probably going to see, you know, a little bit more 11 personnel, one tight end, one back, three wide receiver sets. Um, so I think they're ever-evolving. I think you, you you have to be in the National Football League to keep up, especially in the AFC, uh, in their division. You think about all these, I mean, Chiefs and the, the Bills and, the Bengals in their their division, you know, Cleveland, Deshaun's going to be better, no uh, you know, another year removed. So you got to have firepower. You got to be able to score points. But don't ever, you know, let's not, you know, forget John's mindset and his formula for winning football games. They're going to play great defense. You know, Mike's going into year two. McDonald is the DC. They're going to they played outstanding down the stretch. They gave up only fourteen and a half points a game over the last eight nine games. They're going to play great defense. They're still going to run the football. Um, they're going to play, you know, field position. They're going to, you know, try to affect and protect protect their quarterback, affect the other one, take care of the ball, take the ball away, all those kind of things. So he's got a formula, but I think, you know, you have to be ever-evolving uh, as a football team and um, how you look at this game. So uh, it was – we had a great conversation, talked about a lot of stuff, obviously, and I just think that he's never going to get away from, you know, that 
that build a bully mindset when yeah. I got there in 08, yeah. you know, that that's him. I mean, this is, and again, it's hard because it's hard to, you know, callous the hands, harden the knuckles, so to speak, with the way training camp and things are, but they're never going to move away from that. Co- Coach uh, Chuck Pagano is with us here on GCR. We're going to link up his interview uh, with John Harbaugh from the 33rd team on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio. Coach, it sounds like what you're saying is like, hey, yeah, it, it could be a bit more open, and I, th- I think space is a big thing that we've talked about um, with the Todd Munkin offense, but you're not expecting it to suddenly be like, you know, throw in 50, 50 plus times a game all of a sudden. That like there still probably will be a bit more balance when it comes to what this offense looks like, even as it moves away from Greg Roman. Yeah, and no, no doubt about it. Because um, every game's different, every week's different. So they've got they've got a great staff. Uh, again, you mentioned you know Monk coming in from Georgia you know, has NFL experience. Every week's going to be different, and they'll decide uh, you know how they're going to attack each week, how they're going to attack you know from a from a balance standpoint. Because there's going to be some games you know where that might be more run than pass, uh, and vice versa. They're going to get behind maybe in a game and have to be able to throw the ball and spread you out. Uh, to catch up. They're going to have to do that in two-minute situations, third-down situations. So Lamar's proven that that he can throw the ball. Uh, I know everybody says, hey, look, he's a runner, he's this, he's that. But, I mean, unanimous MVP in 2019. Right. I don't know what those those numbers were. But, yeah, they're not going to come out and and throw it, you know, 40, 50 times a game unless – I mean, you fall behind two, three touchdowns and you're forced to throw it. They're going to have the ability to do that because they're going to have wide receivers. They've got the tight ends. They've got Andrews. They got Isaiah Likely, you know, in the fold. So, um, but I, I think he's always going to want to be balanced, play great field position, all those kind of things. Coach, on the other side of the ball, it's an interesting time because, as you pointed out, right? Like you know as well as anyone, the DNA of this organization is defense. Like, and they, you know, they just gave a lot of money to Roquan Smith at a time where teams are not investing maybe the quite the same way at inside linebacker. We saw the impact that Roquan Smith made on this team last year. Like Almost immediately upon his arrival, this defense, as you pointed out, was unbelievable in the second half of the season. What's interesting is there's two areas where I think we actually have a few questions. The Ravens, you know, they did bring in Rocky Seen, but this is probably about as thin at the cornerback position as we've seen, certainly since Eric DaCosta took over, and we were told that the philosophy – of the Ravens was going to be the build from outside in. And this was the era of them going out and trading for Marcus Peters when, you know, we didn't know that they needed another cornerback. Are you a little surprised about how thin they appear to be in the secondary? It certainly helps to have Marlon Humphrey. There's no doubt about that. But that behind Marlon Humphrey at cornerback, I, I don't know that we've ever seen the Ravens this thin, or at least not in a very long time. Yeah, they lose some, you know, like you said, Marcus Peters, uh, you know, they brought in, Fuller, you know, last year who, who ended up getting hurt, yeah. um, you know, so they lose those guys. So they bring in Rock, you know, who was in Indy, was over at Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, they are a little bit. Th- so the back end, but, you know, Kyle Hamilton being kind of that Swiss Army knife for them sure. last year, playing nickel, playing the dime, uh, playing safety. He was all over the place. He's going to be a lot better. They're going to probably settle him in at the safety spot. But uh, with Marlin and then Rock is in. You know, the, the other question mark for me is going to be pass rush. I, I was, that was you where know, I was going next, Coach. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, it, it's cause, a big cause, question. Right, I mean, because if, if you can't get after the quarterback, 
and, and affect the quarterback and get the quarterback on the ground, then you're going to expose those guys in the back end. And, you know, Mike is an aggressive coach. I think they settled in, you know, like we said, at the second half of the season, kind of found their identity, had some big leads, you know, early in the season on some teams and gave mm-hmm. up some, some big plays. And, you know, you run that risk when you try to throw, you know, deploy and throw a lot of bodies at the quarterback. And, and Lord knows they'll, they'll bring them from all three levels, right? But you lose Justin Houston, right, who had nine and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, who was the other, the other cat that's out of uh, there? Had five and a half, Calais Campbell yeah, in Calais the middle. Up front, you lose yeah. Calais, great veteran leadership in both those guys. So there's, there's 10, 11 sacks, though. They had 48. They finished sixth in the National Football League a year ago. So now it's going to be, you know, Owe, Ojabo's healthy. Uh, you know, Bow, Tyus Bowser, uh, you know, Big Justin. I can't say his last name. Matabike, yeah. <laughs> Matabike? Yep. Okay, I got that down. One of my all-time <laughs> favorites, Brent Urban. Oh, <laughs> what a, what a, what a guy Brent Urban is. Oh, I love that dude so what much. What an unbelievable human being. Yeah. We had some, that, some time in, in Chicago together. I love that dude. So I, I think it's going to – you know, they're loaded inside. Queen and, and Roquan, you mentioned Roquan, had him in Chicago as well. He's a great, great player and a great leader. Um, that was a great gift for them and, a, and get his, you know, contract, you know, redid his contract, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, can they can they hold up in the, in the back end, develop some of these young guys? Because they brought in some young corners. There's some bodies there, some good-looking bodies. There's some athletes. Now they just got to develop those guys and get some depth. But, you know, getting after the quarterback is is going to be crucial. Yeah, because you know this is you probably heard last season there were people that were apt to discuss the impact of Roquan Smith when he arrived in Baltimore, and you know, bring up a name that's that's a pretty hallowed, revered name in Ravens history. And you know both of these guys. You know Ray Lewis. You know Roquan Ooh. Smith. I'm not trying to say that Roquan Smith is Ray Lewis because Jesus, that is way too much for anybody to put on. When you see the impact he had, can you explain? Because I don't think statistically there's something that we can do to define it. I'll have I'll do radio interviews in the rest of the country, and somebody say, "Why are you giving an inside linebacker twenty million dollars? Look at the you know he doesn't go get quarterbacks." And it's hard for me to explain the impact that Roquan Smith had and how we all saw this defense change the moment that he got here. Can you explain? how his impact lifts an entire unit beyond just whatever, you know, you look at and you see he's doing statistically with tackles. Yeah. I mean, Ray is Ray is Ray 17 years, hall of famer, arguably, you know, one of the best, if not the best to ever play that position in the national football league. No doubt. But some of the intangible things that people don't know, because you can see the skill set. Roquan, you pay a guy like that because you never have to bring take him off the field. You know, back in the day, those big inside linebackers, you got some first and second down guys, and then you got to get them off the field and get, you know, some athletic guy, guys that can run, guys that can cover. So Roquan's a guy that, from a skill set, he's a three down linebacker. You can blitz him, and he can get after the quarterback. I think he had five sacks last year. You know, coming into Baltimore. So the football IQ the football character, he is so intelligent and he understands and gets the game. He's like another coach on the field. So when you have him out there and he's got the green dot on his helmet and he's calling defenses, you know, that, that Mike McDonald is calling in 
all of those, you can't put a price on that. I mean, there were so many times where I just look out to Ray and go, because you trust guys that you know that are in the building mm-hmm. 24-7. They know the game plan inside and out. They know the opponent inside and out. You know, you can give them a game plan and say, hey, what do you like? What what don't you like? What's going to cause us some problems? What's too much for the guys? And they, they go through it and they scratch it out. And, and to give it back to him, and that's the kind of thing like Roquan, you can, you can give him that. He can handle all that stuff. He can unwind. When I say unwind, there's so many things that happen now. It's so, such a fast-paced game and all the multiple wide receiver sets and formations and all these different route combinations. And you play two, three, four different zone coverages, man coverages. There's a lot of communication uh, that has to go on there to be successful, down in and down out. And for him to be able to tie the front and the back together from mm. a communication standpoint, mm. and then his skill set is just it, – it's off the chart. So he's not – you guys probably got to know – listen to him. He doesn't say a whole lot. No. Uh, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a quiet guy, but don't be fooled. Inside that, that head and that big brain of his is always churning. So, again, that was a, a long answer, but you can't, no, you I... can't put a price on – everything that he brings to the table for that organization and that defense. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is he did it so seamlessly. Literally, in the middle of a season, just showed up, and everything fell into place. Now he's going to have an entire offseason, a training camp around. Like the, the thought process is, my God, it might even be better next year, which is crazy to me because it was so wildly successful a year ago. Um, Coach, just two things before I let you go, if I could. One, this is a murderer's row right now in the AFC. I mean, this is insane. You're going up Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. I mean, it is bonkers. You brought up, even within the division, the Steelers are not relenting, and I do think I agree with you that it's likely that the Browns will take a step forward with a full season of Deshaun Watson and and getting his feet wet again. Um, Do you feel like the Ravens on paper are – a viable Super Bowl contender with the moves that they have made during the course of this offseason and having Lamar Jackson back? Uh, I say yes because you just mentioned his name. You got a quarterback. You guys know I learned the hard way. When you have a guy at quarterback, you always have a chance. You know, and if you don't, because it's really hard to win games when you do have that dude. And if you don't have him, we all know. Damn near impossible. That it's yeah. virtually almost damn near impossible to win a game. So when you have him, they're surrounding him with talent. You got the two runners. Dobbins will be healthier this year. He's going to be much better than he was last year. He wasn't bad coming off the knee. And then you got a defense, and you play great defense, and you know they're going to play outstanding special teams. Chris Horton does a great job. We know John's background when it comes to that. So you got a QB. You're going to play great defense. Special teams are going to be there. I mean, John – John's a fabulous coach, you know, and I'm grateful for what he did for me and the opportunity he gave me. He's going into year 16, so you got a you got a veteran guy that's right at the top of the league with with all the outstanding coaches. So when you put all that together, and then the front office and ownership, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be right there. They got to stay healthy as always, right? We can always use that. Throw that caveat in there. Hey, you know, can Lamar stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? Um, I, boy, that they need that badly, as we've seen the last couple of years. That the uh, to your point, no disrespect to Tyler Huntley, but 
They badly need him on the field. And then the most important one, Coach, uh, your boy just got $17 bucks from ESPN. Are you going to get, like, at least a steak dinner out of that somehow? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I'm so happy, you know, for, for Pat and, and, and the boys over there at PMS. It's a, I'm very, very lucky and very grateful. Like, I would have retired, like, years ago if I would have known that the other side was going to look like this you know, heck, and not put myself through all that stress, um, fired up for the, for those guys. And he certainly deserves it. I mean, you got to credit him. He bet on himself. And he told me once guys, he told me a thousand times, this is what I'm going to do. I said, you're crazy. You could punt for another 20 right, years, Pat. Right. And he's like in 2016. And he goes, no, this is, I can't be who I want to be. I can't do what I want to do. So this is, this is my vision. And and damn if he didn't go out and do it and and some so really fired up for Pat love the guy love all those guys at that show so hopefully I I get to keep coming back and doing that a little bit with them next this year it's it's incredible I mean it's an amazing story in our business um, and uh, you know whatever that dude you cannot all you can do is tip your cap and say it is amazing what yeah. that cat has built it's remarkable. Uh, Coach Chuck Pagano, it's always great to catch up with you. How's how's life? You still like, like, just living out in the woods, just having you know the time of your life? <laughs> we got a couple tall buildings out here in Boise. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> thinks because you just live out west, like there's nothing, there's no action happening, right? Yeah, life's good. Right. Life's good. That's, We're got family. Family's good. So living a blessed life. That's Thank what you. I want to hear, Coach. Always appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care. Coach Chuck Pagano uh, with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking the time for us. Um, it's an interesting interview. I'd encourage you to go check it out as we did uh, tweet it through our account at Glenn Clark Radio. But uh, he sat down with John Harbaugh for the 33rd team. Uh, pretty earth-shattering news in the world of sports this morning. Um, I have no idea. And, boy, it would be interesting if Drew's in here tomorrow. Um, no? Yeah, it doesn't look like Drew's going to make it tomorrow. Although he did tell me that before this news came out, so maybe. I, mean, I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this. I would almost would write, like to call him. Like, I have no idea what, to, and that's the problem. I don't think anybody really has any idea what to make of it yet. Uh, the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour are apparently merging together. I, I am befuddled by this, and I'm I'm only getting an opportunity to kind of peruse right now, so I haven't really been able to dig in. But I don't think there's a lot of details available at the moment. I am, I oh boy, I, there is a there is a lot that is. This seemed to be impossible, but apparently it's happening. And who has what power and what? I, I don't know yet what to make of any of it. So we'll try to to dig into it again this is not my area right like that's the nice thing about it for me is that i don't have to care but it is explosive as hell given like i here's something i know about drew drew detested the idea of live so if the pga tour is now trying to incorporate live i don't know how that's gonna like i don't know what drew's reaction to that would be because he detested the concept of live golf I, the only thing that I saw, you know, I tell you what, let's take a let's take a break. We'll come back in, we'll discuss. And again, this is I know you're going to say, really, Glenn, you're going to talk about golf. 
the news is interesting to me. In in a week, I'm not going to care. In 2024, I'm not going to care. But right now, it's fascinating to me because of how explosive this whole issue has been for now two years. For it to just kind of end like this is wild. We'll talk about it when we come back in. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer. Buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving driving habits. Ugh. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite mm. Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available daily Day and night, it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Hey, O Superfans, Marvel Superhero Day is coming to Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, June 10th, when the O's play the Kansas City Royals at 4.05. Be one of the first 25,000 fans 15 and over at the game to receive an exclusive Adley Rutschman bobblehead inspired by Captain America. Come out to experience the Marvel Universe at Oriole Park and arrive early for Early Bird Saturday. Gates open two hours before first pitch with happy hour, live music, and more. Buy tickets now at Orioles.com tickets. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! On second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Pressbox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up today. So, yeah, massive news this morning. The PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour and whatever, uh, the DP World Tour, are all merging together. I, I don't have a lot of details so far. Here's the quote from Jay Monahan, the commissioner 
Uh, quote, after two years of disruption and distraction, this is a historic day for the game we all know and love. This transformational partnership recognizes the immeasurable strength of the PGA Tour's history, legacy, and pro-competitive model and combines with it the DP World Tour and Live, including the team golf concept. I don't think that was actually in the quote. I, I, I think that was just a sorry. To create an organization that will benefit golf's players, commercial and charitable, par- charitable partners, and fans. Um, this is from an ESPN story. As part of the deal, the sides are dropping all lawsuits involving Live Golf against each other effective immediately. And so far, that's all I've got. Now, I'm not able to follow up, you know, everybody's tweeting because I'm doing a show this morning, so I'll leave it up to somebody else. So if if more details are coming through, I did a generic search of PGA Live, and unfortunately I mostly just got memes and gifs. So, you know, like kind of a kind of an awkward thing. Um, So I think... I think there's a couple of questions. The first question would be, is is the PGA taking on the Saudi money? And if so, how much of it? Like, that's the first question. Because that was their moral high ground in all of this. And if what they're saying is, well, now we're just going to be happy to take the money, then... It's gonna. That's gonna look really bad. Like I'm, they're gonna be able to get away with it. Hell, everybody gets away mm-hmm. with it. But it's gonna be a terrible look, and they're going to be extraordinarily criticized for it. Now they'll be the ones with all the money, so they'll say criticize all you want. If you want to watch golf, you got to watch us now. So sorry, too bad, so sad. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be criticized for it. Again, it won't be for me because I don't. Eh, maybe maybe I'll criticize them. I don't know. I just don't care, right? It's not its not an entity that I care about, so it probably won't be for me, but I'll let everybody else do that, and they'll deserve every ounce of shame heaped upon them in this process. They will deserve every level of name-calling, of, of angry scorn column writing, whatever it is, they'll deserve every ounce of it if they're simply just saying, well, how about you give some of that money to us? Now, if this is more of like a... The Live Tour exists and competes. This is the thing Drew always suggested. The way to make this work is to have the PGA Tour and then have the PGA seed the fall to live and allow their players to go do whatever they want. And if this is their way of saying, if you guys won't compete with us, when we do the, so I don't even know what the tournament was, Memorial Day weekend, but there was a Live Tournament the same weekend in D.C. So if, this is their way of saying, if we go do the Texas Open or whatever the F it is, the you know, Puerto Rico Open, whatever tournament we're playing, you don't compete against us, then we will allow our guys to compete in your events in the fall. Because the fall is kind of the silly season for us, and we don't care. If that's what this agreement is, then that's far, it's a much lesser partnership as much as it's just sort of like a let's stay out of each other's way. Your guys can play in the majors. We're not going to fight about that any longer. We're not going to sue, but you don't go up against us. Our season runs through Labor Day weekend. After Labor Day weekend, you can do whatever you want between Labor Day weekend and the start of January with your guys, and we'll no longer block your guys from playing with us. That would probably be a significant part of it. The PGA Tour would have to open up and let Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau play in their events next year. 
Now, it'll be up to those guys if they want to or not, right? Like the PGA, I think, in their new deal was elevating a certain number of events. You've got to agree to play in those events. Maybe Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka say, if we can keep all the money that we're getting from the Saudis, then we don't want to do that. We just want to play in the fall on the live tour. That's all it's going to be. So we do. We need more details of what this means. Is the live Are live events just going away? Does the PGA think that, you know, they'll just start doing this dump? The, the dumbest part of all of it is the team thing. No one gives – I don't care about golf in general. Golf people don't give a rat's ass about the team thing. That's true. That's true? Yeah. All right, let's talk about it. No one cares. Does he know that we only have 20 minutes or whatever? You know, we got, we got a limited amount of time. 15, 20 minutes tops, you know, that's what we got. Drew Forrester from 105.7 The Fan, Fairways and Greens. Drew's MorningDish.com is checking in. He actually does care about this, and I know he has been vehemently opposed to live the entire time, so this is going to be fascinating to me. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm giving some food out and helping some folks in the community. And I love that. My phone's blowing up, and I'm I, like, I imagine. where are all these texts coming in? Yeah. I know. it was. I got like 11 text messages at, at 10, 18 and I'm like, what is going on? And you know, you've got kids. You're always worried. Like, oh, no doubt. This is something's got to be going on with right, my kids, right. right? And then I look down, and I'm getting WTFs and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's so, that's the way that I feel about it. For the record. Well, what's amazing? What's amazing is no one knew about this. Like right. this is one of right. the all. Just forget about talking about the mechanics of it, which we can do. Like the fact that this was brewing, obviously for a while, and no one knew about it is unbelievable in this day and age. Yes, typically, it's incredible. Typically, you know, whoever your boy Rex Hoggard would have reported on Saturday. By the way, hearing that there's, I'm some, hearing right, yes, right. right. Correct. Like this, a press release. This was like 1988. Right. A press release got sent out. Right. And it never happens <laughs> this know. way. So right, I, right. I, was, I was just talking about this. I, what's What's interesting is we don't know anything yet, right? Like they sent out a press release, and it don't doesn't tell us anything about how this works. Because right. my gut tells me that your they don't know yet. Sure, <laughs> that's probably part of it. But what my gut tells me is your reaction is probably a lot different if it's because I remember you saying from the get go. You can make this work. Let their tour exist in the fall. You don't, you know, right. you don't fight about it. If your guys want to go play in those events, they can, and you let them come back and play. Like you, the PGA Tour runs from January to Labor Day weekend, and then the Live Tour Correct. exists the rest of the year. And if that's what this is, I'm going to guess you're not going to scream about it as much as if the PGA Tour is just saying, "Yeah, we're going to take on some of that Saudi money, and we're just going to kind of become part Live now." You're probably going to feel a little bit differently about that. Well, I, right. I, here's what I would say. I don't think, I could be wrong on this, I don't think there's ever going to be a situation where there's a live golf tournament the same weekend as the Memorial. Right. I, I just don't see, I don't see how that works, and I don't think the PGA Tour would ever go for that. I, I just don't think they would. They're, because they know that week, if live has this roster of players that are obligated to play to live events. They know they're going to play the Memorial without Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, et cetera. So I don't think it ever works. Now, is there a scenario where live 
where, and I'll use two weeks from now as an example, is there a scenario where there's a U.S. Open and the following week there's no PGA Tour event and there's a live event in Milwaukee? Is that possible? Sure. But there's never going to be, I don't think, I don't think there's ever going to be a moment where there are two events going on at the same time that allow the players to pick and choose which one of those events they play. I just don't, I, there's just, I, I would be beyond stunned. Cause you remember as much as we don't think about this, you've, they've also merged with the DP world tour in Europe. Right. So now you've got three different entities going on at the same time. And a, and a guy like DeChambeau says, well, I can either play in, in Boston or I can go play in Saudi Arabia or I can go play in Spain. Well, he, he's, two out of those three tournaments are going to lose out on one of the best players in the world. So I, I, I can't imagine that there's ever going to be a moment where there's a live event in, in the opposite, you know, an opposite of PGA tour event, unless, unless the, there's a, unless there's a break in the schedule and it allows for that event to be played independent of another tour event. But we'll see. I, I I've read through every, I've read through the press release and, it doesn't say anything except they've merged and, you know, talks about allowing at some point, allowing for the free movement of the players. But again, I don't know what that means. Does that mean that live no longer has to pay these guys this money? Right. Um, do all of those contracts, are they now null and void or do those guys get their, does Phil Mickelson have to give any of the $200 million back? Or has he gambled that all away already? No. Like, yeah, I don't think there's a, any money to give it, back. I think, I think it's I, a can... fascinating story. I, I've always said this from the beginning. They that eventually, if they merge, or when they merge, or if there's a, some sort of you know some sort of business acquisition of one of the two, that the PGA Tour would have run from January to I mean January to August, and the live guys would do their stuff from September to December. That's the only way they would ever be able to do it and not conflict with one another i don't for all i know for all i know and they haven't said this yet they they might even dissolve the live tour and that's the part that's interesting to me like did the saudis just kind of say even just dissolve it all right this like wasn't they, this wasn't worth they it. care right like like we tried and nobody was watching on tv and you know why are we spending this much money on something that just isn't getting any of the track we were promised that we were going to matter we don't matter. So what are we really doing here? Now let's just shift all that. They just gave What's-His-Face $6 billion to play soccer. Um, and nobody's right. even ever heard of him outside of the people that care desperately about soccer, right? Like, right. I don't, that's the part of it. Is that part of this just sort of them saying, look, we're going we're gonna to concede that we don't really care about this any longer. If you'll agree to take the players back and – you know, pretend like live mattered for a little while, then f- just go ahead and let's be done with it. Well, and, and, I, I and think by the way, would be my, and, we'll, and we'll give you a little bit of money in the process. Not enough that we control right. things, but we'll give you a little bit of money, which the PGA Tour would say, well, okay, yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and I, I guess that's sort of the way I'm leaning initially as I read it. I'm, I'm kind of reading it like that, where – at some point they say, look, we did what we wanted to do, which is we started this tour. So probably a lot like, Oh, I'm, I'm trying to use a business analogy. It would be akin to you and I 
opening a, a, an Italian restaurant in Little Italy and going around and telling everybody how great it was and how much better it is than everything else. And after three or four months, the guys at Chipperellis and Sabatinos come to us and say, do you guys really want to keep running this restaurant? Right, like right. We're, we're, all you're doing is taking business away from me on a Friday or Saturday. And all we're doing is taking business away from you two. Why don't you and your chefs just come over here, shut your building down and come on over. And you and I at some point would go, yeah, we kind of proved our point. We wanted to run a restaurant. We wanted to serve great Italian food. We did, but you know what? We also discovered we don't really like being in the restaurant business all that much. And I, and I feel like that's probably Greg Norman wants to be in the golf business. The Saudis and their public investment fund are, are in a whole other business. It's called, how do we make more money? That's, that's their business. They, they don't care that it's golf. It could be racquetball for all they care. Correct. Like there's no, all this who struck John about this, the global presentation and golf and how, how they're going to change. All they're trying to do is get people to forget how evil they've been. And, you know, for the most part in the world of golf, they, they've sort of kind of done that. Like there are people that, think live golf is awesome and think the Saudis are great for what they've done. So it accomplished what they wanted. And now that they actually have to run a golf league, they've discovered like, we don't really care that much about it. Right. We're, and, and we thought it would be a bigger deal. Cause Greg Norman told us if we get these 24 players, we're, we're going yeah, we'll to, we're right. going to matter. Right. Right. So, but I also think that in the end, what, what they have done has benefited you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying this, like that what they've done has benefited golf for sure. in that it has created what every sport needs and golf has needed for a long time and has never really had. And that is it's created a little bit of a good versus bad theatrical concept, if you will. And it golf's never had that. Never. Sure. It was just you a know, bunch football, of guys playing football, golf. Right. 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 Football had it when they did the NFC, I mean, the NFL and the AFL, you know, and they merged and they and USFL Jim Namath said, minute, we're, we're, right. we're better than the AF, uh, the AFL's better than, the, you know, they created that, right? And the NFL does it now probably better than anybody, right? They have the darling of the league versus the, you know, you've got the Ravens constantly getting beat up on and ignored and everybody loves Tom Brady. Like the NFL's done that. The NBA's done it. Golf's never really been able to do that. They've never been able, it's almost like wrestling. They've never been able to have a heel in golf. And they, so I think Liv did that and it generated a lot of interest. And I think you saw with the Kepka DeChambeau thing that they both admitted over, over time, both kind of admitted was a ruse, like that they created that, right? It's pretty easy today with social media. It's easy to create that. You put up a couple of, cryptic tweets you put up a meme you roll your eyes at somebody when they walk behind you there's 87 twitter posts up about it immediately it's easy to create good versus bad now in today's society and i think they did a good job of that and golf benefited people were interested for yeah, sure but they weren't interested in now, the tour i know that much but they weren't but they right yeah. but they weren't interested in yeah. watching it yes but they were interested in the angles of controversy that it was creating and you had Phil sniping at Rory and you know, you, you didn't, you, Phil never said a word to, to Rory when Rory was, when Phil was on the tour. Sure. Sure. You know, this is the old, this is the old thing about tiger and everybody always is like, you know, the, the players 
a lot of the players have always resented Tiger, but they never wanted to say anything because they also knew the reason they were playing for 1.4 million winners check this week right. was because of him. Tiger, exactly. Yes. Right. Yes. So you know, and I think, but you never saw Phil. Phil never had any animosity towards Rory until Phil went on the other side, and and he had to fight somebody. And who's he going to fight? Right. Kevin Streelman. Right. Right. Yes. So you know, I I think. It'll be interesting to see what the, and you said it right from the beginning, like everybody's going to make a bunch of knee-jerk reactions today. Yeah, but and, what, what and actually And no one really this? knows yeah. what this, no one really knows what this means. Like, so so let, me, let me pull out the one part before I let you go, which is, I just want you to confirm for me, because in the press release they mentioned the team concept and trying to continue incorporating that. I, I'm comparing this to this idiotic, insane in-season tournament that Adam Silver is going to force upon the NBA. There, no one that I, – I don't care about any of this stuff, right? Like, I'm the wrong guy to ask. But even those of you that care about the golf, I can't fathom you actually having any interest in the PGA taking this team concept and doing anything with it moving forward, Correct. Well, here, I don't know that there's a quick, easy answer to that. Here's what I would say. If you wanted to create, and, and I'll use, um, if you wanted to create a, an, an eight-tournament event that ran was, on its own. And was only a team concept? Right. Yes. That, okay. That, that might be interesting. It okay. might be, you might, build up, you might build up some equity there by saying, Rory, JT, and Jordan Spieth are going to play next Saturday and Sunday against Phil, Dustin Johnson, and Colin Morikawa. Mm-hmm. That, that, that could build and, – and then at the same venue, you took three other players versus three other players and three other players versus three other players. And if you did that for some period of time, there could be some equity in that, right? Mm-hmm. But what there isn't any equity in is Phil playing in a stroke play event – and then another guy that he's competing with in the team, I mean, in the stroke play, also happens to be on his team. In the same event, in the same moment, there's, there, I don't think there's any interest in that. Yeah, like, I golf's don't... not built for that. It's just not. Like, oh, right. now, if you take the Ryder Cup as an example. Yep. There's no, the there's no individual Cup, part to it. It's just a team event. That's it. That, that is by far the perfect model, right. right? But the only reason that works is because of the patriotic side. It doesn't work. I don't really care if Rory plays Patrick Reed in a, in a match play match. I couldn't care less who wins or loses. But when you tell me it's for the Ryder Cup, no, I care. Right. The, but the interesting thing is Rory lives right next door to Patrick Reed in the regular part of the world. And like, they only make this up once a year, once every two years. They act like they don't like each other. Uh, and, and, you know, you and I see this all the time in football. We, we see these guys come and go all the time in football. And you and I have been to these stadiums where, I'll use Tony Jefferson. Tony Jefferson comes over to the to midfield before the game and 27 players come up and hug him. Right. And then they're going to go play football against right. one another. And try to, yeah, yeah, beat the hell but out the, of But each the other. reality is right. they're, they're all friends. Correct, correct. So, and golf's the same way. Like, these, these guys don't. Now, forget the live part and Phil not liking anyone and everybody hating Phil, but these guys don't dislike each other. They, they just, it, golf's not built that way. It's, not, it's never been built that way to dislike the other guy. And it's, maybe that's what makes golf weird, 
But golf's just not built that way. Golf is so much about I, I'm I'm playing the golf course today. It's me against the golf course. Yeah, I know. I got to play Kepka and I got to play Phil and I got to play Tiger. But I don't I don't dislike those guys. Sure. And that's why anytime there is a that's why there anytime there is controversy in golf, it's really a big deal because there isn't any. No one really dislikes anybody. Well, except for what's what's not built that way. Patrick Reed, everybody hates him, right? Well, right, right, (laughs) right. But again, the reason they don't like him is why? Because he's brought controversy along. Like, he's a cheater. And the rest of the players are like, we we all like cheaters. I love you. I got to go because I'll laugh about it. We'll talk. We'll talk more. You'll be talking about fairways and greens on Sunday. You got it. That's Sunday. Yep. Bye. That's uh, Drew Forrest for DrewsMorningDish.com. And again, Fairways and Greens on the fans Sunday morning or Sunday at noon uh, is when you'll hear Drew discussing this further and breaking down what this means for the future of golf as the Live Tour and PGA Tour and the DP World Tour have all combined efforts. So we will see. Again, right now we know we know little about what this actually means. Apparently they're going to meet with players today at 4 o'clock to try to talk to them about it. And the other part that was interesting to me that I saw as I was perusing, uh, apparently the the powers said that they told Greg Norman it was happening right before they announced it. So that does maybe suggest that he, he might... He did not know. Yeah, anything. might have been on the outside looking in when it comes to this. So we will see. But yes, obviously... Earth-shattering news in the world of sports this morning about the Live Tour and the PGA Tour. Thanks to Drew for taking a couple of minutes and hopping on to talk to us about it. Now, with that said, uh, the Orioles are getting ready to start a series in Milwaukee tonight for three games. Joining us now, it's been a little while since we caught up with our next guest, Orioles outfielder Ryan McKenna, back with us here on GCR. Ryan, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up, man. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Hey, Glenn. Yeah, good to be back. Good to uh, talk to you guys again. It's great to chat with you, dude. I imagine it's uh, even more fun. Like, we had a lot of chats over the years when you were working your way up, and, hey, maybe there are some signs that things are interesting right now. But, dude, can you put into words, like, being a part of this, this season, can you possibly describe what that has meant to you in your journey in the sport to be experiencing this right now as a major leaguer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, yeah, we've kind of uh, kept in touch throughout the minor leagues and, you know, the whole transformation of it all. And it, it's been pretty special, as everyone's seen. Um, I think one of the biggest things when I get asked that question um, is I just point to the culture. Um, and that, and that, that starts from the top down. Um, you know, we're, we're all fighting uh, for a common goal. And um, you can see the enjoyment that we're having every day and, and coming together and playing for, you know, a team-oriented goal. So um, that's just a win um, every game that we set out on the field. So it's been a blast, and, um, you know, people are seeing the uh, the good stuff that's been coming. Can you explain that to me at all, man? Like, do you guys have to talk about that, or, like, is it just like a feel thing, you know? Like, you, we don't we don't need to discuss how much we care about winning every day and out. Like we just know we can look at each other and understand what those common goals are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it is something that we discuss. I think it's it's definitely uh, the leadership, uh, the guys. Um, you know, from the top down, it's it's been really cool to see the guys that have been brought in um, last year. Uh, Ruben Nador, Robinson Torinos. Um, you know, they've had a lot of success and in time in the big leagues and this year, you know, Kyle Gibson, James McCann, um, and a lot of other guys that have been here too. 
um, you know, that just they shine a light on what what things that we can do as a team. And just from experience, you know, it's been it's been really, really impactful to a lot of the guys here and, and gives a lot of confidence, you know, going forward every day to to know that there's guys like that and the information that they're putting forward every day is is going to help the team win. So it's been it's been incredible. Can Incredible. I, can I talk openly about that? Like you, obviously, I think everybody you know remembers it was a, it was a tough start to the season for you, right? Like we're not hiding anything. Nobody wants to go mm-hmm. through something like that. Can can you talk about how that atmosphere, that mindset, that mentality helps when you go through something like that? When when you just sort of know, hey, look, every, we're all good, right? Like this is a clubhouse where something like that isn't going to doom anyone. Yeah, um, no doubt. You know, that was something that I didn't really expect to happen. Um, you know, something that I know I take pride in my, my defensive play sure. and, and the way I work at my craft. And um, I think James McCann, you know, obviously at the time I was, you know, in not a, a super great place with what I wanted to achieve on the baseball on the baseball field. But I think he put on Bob Marley, everything's going to be all right <laughs> after the game. <laughs> So that was kind of a, that's awesome. Uh, you know, something that was a good moment um, in, in a not so great uh, time for, you know, losing that game. But uh, yeah, it's just stuff like that, you know, stuff. It's, it's early in the season. It's a long season. Um, and, you know, we're going to be a great team. So, you know, we just let those things bounce off and continue on. Ryan McKenna is with us here on GCR. Ryan, you had the opportunity when you were in New York we had uh, Kyle Gibson on a couple weeks ago, and he was really explaining to us like big league impact and what they're all about. I know when you guys were in New York, you got an opportunity to partner up, and I, I saw that picture of you uh, working on food and doing. F- I can't imagine mm-hmm. you thought that was going to be part of like I'm getting to the big league so I can go make food. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but can you, te- can you tell us about that experience and what you've gotten to know about big league impact and um, how important that was for you to go be a part of that? Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, at first, uh, Kyle Gibson has kind of been on the forefront, and I'm so appreciative that he, you know, thought of us or was just asking the guys, you know, hey, do you want to be a part of this? And, you know, it's it's been such a uh, fulfilling um, section of time to make and to be a part of uh, when we get those opportunities to meet those great people that you know really influence so many people in those major cities that we go to. Um, you know, just a lot of credit to the people at Big League Impact that set that up, um, and then Kyle and leaders, you know, on each team to um, in- incorporate guys that, you know, are, are are seeking opportunities like that to help out and give back. So uh, it's been it's been really nice to be a part of. You can find out more bigleagueimpact.org, and the hashtag is all win. And there's actually like a link to just what Baltimore, and there's a bunch of different ways for you to get involved with what not only Kyle but uh, Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes, Tyler Wells, a bunch of different guys are doing to try to lift up and uh, support Big League Impact. It's really incredible. Ryan McKenna is with us here on GCR. Um, you know, Ryan, the the moving like the reality of this that like this is this isn't just like a fun story anymore. You guys are trying to win a World Series, right? Like, mm-hmm. h- how much does that you know like linger? How much is that discussed? Like that this. It's one thing to have a good culture and one thing to be winning games, but is there a reality to like stepping in and saying, "Hey, no, we we need to do this. We need to do this because we don't. This isn't fun for us. We want to go win a championship." Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I 
I like to say that, you know, hey, you know, when we're in October, you know, we like playing in the cold and, yeah. you know, just certain conversation bits. Um, you know, it's just something that's in the forefront of my mind. And I know um, talking to our teammates, that's absolutely where everybody said that. Um, I think it was not too long ago or maybe yesterday or before the off day, we were the first team to win uh, 20, 20 games on the road. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty special, um, you know, and that's we're just, you know, we're going to be that bulldog that's going to keep on coming. You know, every day we're going to try to win. And um, we we definitely want to be in the, the World Series this year and, you know, years to come. So it's it's not going to stop. And, you know, we're, we're coming for every team. Can you take me through what it like the impact of losing Cedric, who, you know, was just so ungodly brilliant for the first couple months of the year, right? Like, I mean, the dude was doing almost no wrong. And and how you guys sort of, and I'm sure it speaks to what you're talking about with your clubhouse and knowing, hey, we all are going to have to step up in different ways, but how it's possible to lose a player of his impact and yet still stabilize yourselves and go out and win a tough series in a place like San Francisco. Can you kind of tell me, take me through what, what, what that conversation's like and what everybody's doing in those moments in order to try to make up for? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Cedric is, you've seen what he's done and everybody, you know, has watched what he can do and it's, it's special, man. He's, he's such a, a talented individual, um, good, good clubhouse guy, good personality, um, you know, is, is going to pick up guys when they need to. And uh, I think it's just um, leading into your question. I think that's exactly what we do with him, you know, when he's, when he's down or, you know, you know, you never, hope to see somebody get injured it's just you know we we still have games to play and um it's picking up the teammates you know if they can't go out on the field and perform you know we gotta we gotta try to do what we can to you know execute play defense um you know score runs for our pitchers and um but you know obviously we're we're hoping he gets back and healthy soon and i know he will so it's just picking up your teammates when you have to so your defensive yeah, reputation and your ability as a defensive outfielder, tell me where that came from, Ryan. I don't think you and I have just ever had this conversation. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think people look at outfielders as much as guys that are hell-bent and focused about their defense as we do, you know, shortstops and third basemen, second basemen, catchers. Where did yeah. your defensive intensity come from? When did you maybe say, "Hey, look, this this could be my path"? Like, I not saying that you don't want to be a hitter. I completely know that you want to continue to hit too. But where did that come from? That you were so vested in becoming a high level defensive outfielder? Yeah, I think um, honestly, when I was drafted, the culture was very much defensive focused. Um, you know, we we were pretty well rounded in our minor leagues now and the development uh, from just what I've seen and heard, um, but. Uh, it was definitely do the little things right on defense. Um, all the, uh, the mentorship that I got was, uh, very focused on trying to be elite defensively and then, you know, offensively kind of figure it out as you go and, um, you know, see, see what you can produce on that end. But defense was definitely on the forefront. I think Buckshaw Walter was a big, uh, mm-hmm. big proponent of that and the driver of that. So. Um, as you can see during the years that he managed how elite the defense was, um, you know, back in that time. But, yeah, it's just uh, a lot of good mentorship, and um, it's such an important part of the game as well, you know, saving runs and making plays where you can to, uh, you know, set up 
short innings for our guys, um, allow them to get that double play and, um, you know, throw out a runner every now and again and, and make the smart play. So, um, yeah, it's important. It's a, it's a big part of the game. Do you find yourself like, you know, I, we were joking about this with Jorge recently, right? like who we all know is going through a bit of an offensive struggle, but Jesus, like the defense is just so insane um, that, that you, you need to have them out there every day. How do you prioritize these things? Like how do you prioritize wanting to, to be, you know, putting more effort into, you know, having an average around 300 versus saying, I know that my ticket is my defense. Like how do you prioritize those aspects of your game? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, you know, it's, it's a long season. I think the discipline of routine, um, taking care of your body is such a, a huge part of it. It's something that I don't think a lot of people necessarily um, kind of dwell on as a fan, but, um, you know, making sure you're setting your day up right for success so you can work on all parts of your game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just being, I mean, we, we try to as much as we can if the schedule allows us to work on, you know, defense and we, you know, as hitters, as everyday position guys, um, they definitely, they, they get in their hacks every day. They get in the cage. Um, they, they work with our hitting coaches who have been awesome. Um, but yeah, as prioritizing, I don't think anybody works um, harder at one point or the other. Um, I think it's just trying to make sure your body feels good enough and um, trying to work as hard as possible at each, each, each piece. So let's get to the important stuff. I saw you were playing golf on Instagram. Um, <laughs> like, all right. So, so today's the rank for me, top five golfers on the team. And then do me the solid of who's the guy that you want, maybe want to go out and play with because they think they're good but you know you would definitely be able to get some money off them because they're not nearly yeah. <laughs> as good as they believe they are. That's also a good question. Um, we got a decent amount. Uh, I think top five, uh, I, I want to put myself up there, but I heard Aaron Hicks is pretty Really? Pretty well, it makes sense, right? Um, yeah, right? Like he's, a, yeah. he's probably got to spend some time with Tiger over the years. Jeez. Pre- yeah, pretty yeah. good athlete. Um, he's dialed it in, I guess. So I, I would say he's probably number one. Uh, I know Adam Fraser loves going out. Ryan okay. Ahern, uh, myself, Brian Baker. Uh, we got a decent amount. But, uh, yeah, I think after you get Aaron Hicks, it's kind of a crapshoot. Um, but we all enjoy it. We all, you know, have fun with it. And, you know, there's some, uh, some good competitiveness with it that goes along. So it's, it's, it's a fun little, uh, release, okay, uh, but, during the off day. But, but what about the other side? Who's the guy that, you know, you can take money off of? Who's the guy that like you absolutely know <laughs> if, if I, if we go out, because you guys have some Mondays off right now, right? Like yeah. if we go out next Monday. Well, it depends on, uh, if we're giving strokes or not, you know, okay. so that's, that's another piece. But uh, I think uh, me and O'Hearn went out yesterday, and I think uh, I don't mean to throw him under the bus Uh-oh. or call him out too much, but <laughs> I think I could uh, take him pretty uh, Oh, oh, man. And you would think, like, I could, he's got to be bombing it off the tee, right? Like, with that strength. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got to be, like, almost a shambo off the tee at this point. Yeah, he, he's a long hitter. Yeah, oh, he, he hits it a mile. Oh man, well, that's cool. Uh, I saw you have some merch uh, that's available that people can go pick up, right? Yeah, yeah. Max Squad merch. Um, worked on it this off season. It's been uh, pretty cool to be uh, a part of that and start that up. So yeah, um, pretty cool things. 
McKennaMerch.com is the website for you to check it out. Rye underscore Mac 35 on Instagram is how you follow him. Uh, dude, I know you're feeling it. Like I, I'm sure when you guys get back home, you have experienced exactly how invested this community is right now in what you guys are doing. It's it's really special. Um, I, I don't know how to put it into words. As you know, there were some years where it was tough. Um, but like right now, God, it is fun, man. We appreciate that. It's great to catch up with you, dude. Thank you for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Yeah, no doubt. We feel the support and we love it. You know, every everybody that comes to the games and, you know, watches on TV, you know, I, you know, Maryland and Baltimore, the fan group is so, so passionate. We we appreciate that and um, good things are to come. So love that. appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan McKenna, the Baltimore Orioles, spending a few minutes with us here on GCR. I do love that. The, James McCann, right after the day in Boston, went back in, put on three little birds and said, We'll let everybody else freak out about it. We're good here. And uh, obviously that was prescient, right, as the Orioles were good. And there was nothing to worry about after that moment. So um, I thought that was a cool story. Appreciate Ryan McKenna taking the time for us and uh, really do. We, we try to talk up, and we always have tried to talk up what these guys are doing. And so I uh, love that partnership with Big League Impact. I think that's a wonderful thing. And we'll continue to talk that up throughout the course of the year because that's the stuff that really matters to me is that these guys are taking care of our community. All right. Boy, it's been a busy morning. Today's show also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash contests. We have eight days left. This is your eight-day warning to sign up to win four tickets to all of the area's minor league teams plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 plus a $50 gas card to Royal Farms. So even if you say, I, I don't I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out to all the games, I don't know, give the tickets away, keep the gas card and the transponder. Griffin will happily take that yeah, for take you because we informed him that he's not eligible to win the, yeah, the tickets. I know. I need Griffin tickets would love to get somewhere. out and go see all the games. He would, he would spend the weekend in Norfolk tomorrow. He would spend the weekend at Bowie. Yeah, when yeah it, I would. Go, go, Tell him he can have them, and you can keep everything else. Say, hey, dude, you're on your own for the gas money, but <laughs> you can have the tickets. Pressboxonline.com slash offers. Pressboxonline.com slash – no, sorry. <laughs> I did it the other way around. Pressboxonline.com slash contests. Yes. That's what I said. I don't know what you heard, but clearly you're at fault, not I. Pressboxonline.com slash contests. In order to get signed up, you must be 18 or over in order to enter – and the uh, contest runs only through June 14th, so eight days left for you to sign up. Still to come today, the great Ralph Friedgen is going to join us. We'll talk about his candidacy for the College Football Hall of Fame and a couple other things that I want to get into this morning as well as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of GCR. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. 
The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Hey, oh, super fans, Marvel Superhero Day is coming to Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, June 10th, when the O's play the Kansas City Royals at 4.05. Be one of the first 25,000 fans, 15 and over at the game, to receive an exclusive Adley Rutschman bobblehead inspired by Captain America. Come out to experience the Marvel Universe at Oriole Park and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays. Gates open two hours before first pitch with happy hour, live music, and more. Buy tickets now at Orioles.com tickets. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? It's a fair question. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson got together yesterday. If you missed it, you can find it right now at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the Videos tab or go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video every Monday. Stan the Fan, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson getting together. They did a little earlier yesterday, but typically it'll be at 6 p.m. This week, Stan and Gary Stein will catch up with Towson basketball coach Pat Scary on Thursday night. All right, um, a couple of things. One, we talked yesterday about these rumors with uh, Kyrie Irving and uh, LeBron James. Did you see that apparently the Mavericks attempted to deal for LeBron at the deadline? Oh, really? I did not see It's that very that weird, part. right? Like, I get like, it. The Lakers were not very impressive, but I, I'm confused by exactly what the Mavericks were doing and when they went from trying to land LeBron to let's tank the games at the end of the season. Like, I'm a little bit confused by exactly how that worked for them. Um, I, I don't know. I, I still – I don't think I see it, but I guess it just sort of depends on what LeBron – is. I think part of this is well, does 
does LeBron recognize he shouldn't be the alpha on his team any longer? I think that's really what this conversation comes down to. I think everybody's being very dismissive of the possibility of it. I, I think there's the, the question that still can exist of, can LeBron say, hey, there might be nights where maybe I can be a team's alpha, mm-hmm. but I shouldn't at this point in my life be expected to be the, te- the guy that's carrying a team to try to you know, almost single-handedly win games. I think it's especially it was evident in the Memphis series, too, earlier in the playoffs. LeBron was down the stretch in the game, obviously, but... Well, he was a mess he in the was, fourth quarter. He was but, not the main yeah. ball handler in a lot of these plays. But the Lakers don't really have another good right. option, right? Like, you can say and I think Austin Reeves a, is sure. a, 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 you know, a decent piece. They don't have another guy to turn to in those moments and say, every possession goes through you, Chief. And, and LeBron was still giving the ball up, which I think says a lot. Correct. I Even to, like, that. Hachimura. Right. Who... You know, obviously, like, had a couple great games, mm-hmm. especially in Memphis. But, yeah, like, three minutes left yeah, in the game, it's and LeBron's not be, saying, yeah, here, like, here Reeves, Jared Vanderbilt, or go get this, know. go get this bucket. I'm right. going to stand over here on the weak side. Dennis Schroeder a few times during the course of the playoffs. Obviously, there was a Lonnie Walker game in there. Like, you know, I, I guess the question becomes, does he recognize that? And if he recognizes it, is there room for him to go to the Lakers and say, I would rather be here. This is where I wanted to come, and I'd, I'd like to win a real title here because – I guess LeBron has convinced himself that like it means more to his legacy to have won a title in L.A., which is always very weird to me. Like I, I think everyone agrees that the most impactful title that LeBron could win was the one in Cleveland. Mm. Like that you can't ma- at that point you're just another guy that won a title in L.A. And of course his is a title. Um, like you're just another. Ev- everybody won a title in L.A. Like the every legendary player that played in Los Angeles won a championship. So. How is it more meaningful to your legacy? And again, it's it's very complicated because it was the bubble title, and like it, as much as people can be angry about it, it's not the same thing. Because he won a title in the world where T.J. Warren averaged like forty points. Well, a he game. won a title it's, when like the, it wasn't, he won a title it wasn't, in that it wasn't world. the burden of playing an entire season. Exactly. Like ev- you can't compare anything about that to winning an NBA title, which doesn't mean it isn't real, which doesn't mean that we don't that we say that LeBron James didn't win a fourth title. It's that in the context of him thinking that it that it mattered to go to LA specifically. Well I guess he just wanted to win once he decided he was going to LA, I guess he knew he had to win. I, it didn't seem it seemed there. like it was a I and, I need to go to LA because like it matters to win a title with the Lakers somehow, which I just I don't understand that at all, like at all. So does he still care about that? Does he think he accomplished that goal, even though nobody treats it as a real title? Like, I don't know what to make of that. His son's going to be playing at USC, so you would think he'd want to stick around. He would want to stick around in LA and have the ability to maybe go see his son play. Uh, more frequently than he would. I don't know how frequently, because I have no idea how the games are going to line up, mm-hmm. that, but you would think more frequently than he would if he was playing, say, in Dallas or, you know, wherever else it or, might Or be. if he just tells Dallas, you know, I'm not going to be around for December and January uh, and, and maybe part of February. I mean, because... Maybe there's an argument for that. That, that he, you should, know, right? like he shouldn't like, be there anyway. Try to, to that's the, Save they, himself for March when and, they won and the t- No, it's unfair, because he didn't really carry that, like, even to the bubble title that was an Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis was, good, was no the guy. But you could argue it might have been the blueprint for a late-life LeBron James mm-hmm. to try to win a title, which is get four months off. Like, go take a ton of time off 
and then come back and and get a respite and play after that. Like it's it, we're laughing about yeah. it. God, how and funny would it be? If everyone's going to start doing way, that. How funny would it be if it was San Antonio? How funny would it be if he was like, "Well, you're LeBron getting Wembenyama. Maybe send Bradley Beal over there too. Yeah, maybe maybe I go there, right? And like maybe he always like loved Pop, and you know, I assume like he was around because Pop was an assistant on the um, the U- team USA. Yeah, he won a title, right? Because yeah. he obviously wasn't on the Olympic team that Pop was the head coach for. But I'm pretty sure that the team LeBron was on, Pop was an assistant. Maybe he always loved Pop, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm wrapping it up. Maybe I go play for him, right? Like, that'd be fun. Wouldn't San Antonio be a great spot for Bradley Beal? I, you care desperately about Bradley Beal. It's so well, funny. Yeah. You are is so that, is Keldon, is that, would that be Keldon Johnson's spot that he'd take? Uh, is, is he play, is he the shooting guard there? I, I don't know. If y'all are talking about the three. I mean, it's Bradley Beal. I don't know if he's playing Bradley Beal. Yes, I'm playing. I, you, you love it's so weird how much you love Bradley Beal. Well, I mean, he's it's great. so funny. He's the only good player the Wizards have had for right, 10 years. But why years. do you care? <laughs> like, why do you care? Because it's the team I choose to watch. Why you choose to watch them is a, an entirely different conversation. Because they're on TV. So there's other NBA games on TV. Not really. Really, there are ours. every night. There are NBA games on television. You can choose Not to watch. Like, no, every night. Every night, and they like involve far better like teams than the Wizards. The Tuesdays and Thursdays. No, 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 no. NBA TV has a game on every night that there isn't an ESPN or TNT game on. I didn't always have NBA TV until like this year. All right, well, that's a different conversation, yeah. I guess. That's a different thing entirely. <laughs> I just can't imagine a human being choosing to watch the Washington Wizards. Like, and saying. And they're the games I've gone to, so yeah. Okay. You know, that there's a team Wiz. in Philly. It's not that. Fun. I know oh, where you live. I would not root not, for Philly. You don't have to root for them, it gives you the ability to watch games. But that turns into rooting for but, you know, yeah, I just can't. Imagine. I like Matisse Thybul, and then okay, you're putting yourself through. Actually, like Glenn, if you went to every one of Griffin's men's league baseball games, you'd eventually like sort of become a fan. Of exactly, it. right? Yeah. Sort right. of. Or I could just Stockholm not syndrome. do that. It's like that would be the other option. It's Stockholm just not go to all of those games. But if I filled in, would you come? If it was both of us, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> to see me play sorry. right field, sorry, pal. And blow dandelions but, but, out there. But I, but I wish you well. I hope you, I hope you have great success. <laughs> Thanks. Um. Look, man, I still think that LeBron's going to stay a Laker. That's like I think he's going to do one more year in L.A. and then he's going to go wherever Bronny goes, and that's just that's going to be the, how it goes. But it is interesting, as I said yesterday, if he's decided, you know, like I'm going wherever Bronny goes, then maybe he just doesn't care about. Like he knows he's got one year, and maybe he looks around at L.A. and says, "If I'm going to be expected to be the guy, I know, I, I know, I can't carry a team to a title, like." It's it's miraculous that we did as much as we did this season at 38 I, years old. Right. Yeah, I can't carry a team to eight more wins. It's I'm not gonna be able to do that. So maybe he's enticed by let me find a situation where I have friends and other guys. That, like I can be the guy on some nights. Like I'll, on some nights I'll be the guy. Like there's definitely no world in which LeBron James won't ever be the guy. Phoenix, no, no. I mean, financially, it couldn't even work. They don't have enough. They don't I have mean, enough. They, they didn't have enough financially. They need a. They need a bench. Like they need actual guys that can knock down a three. Yeah, every they have now LeBron and, and Kevin Durant. It sounds good on all paper. Their 30s, Who's yeah. shooting threes? LeBron will make. You know, he'll go one for nineteen. Correct. So he yes. will make one. Yeah, Cameron he's got Payne. That. I get, but that no. doesn't even count. No, every time it's painful to watch Cameron Payne try to shoot threes. <laughs> what is that? that? Yeah, what? What are you doing? How has no one fixed that? 
how? So unfortunate. He's like somehow taking an angle that doesn't even make sense. He's not even shooting it in the direction of the basket. You're like, your your body then, is facing the bench. But then Jokic does the same thing kind of with his back to the... Yes, but Jokic is the, <laughs> the, Jokic. the eternal leader in just tossing the ball up in the direction of the basket and somehow it goes in. Just, just like, we'll never see anything like it in our lives. Him and J.R. Smith, man. Um, Joe, Jokic is better than J.R. Smith in that no capacity. Doubt. It's insane the number of times that he's just wildly. Let me just toss the ball up, and you're like, "That's going to end up in the fourth row." Nope, it's in the hoop. Okay, sure. Why not? Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's also frustrating. There's no basketball tonight. Although it actually works out. Today is my son's sixth birthday. Happy birthday, my Sammy. He turned six today. Here's how we're celebrating his sixth birthday. He, we have to do a sleep study with him. This Wait is, for like school? Like, no, this is for like his health. Oh, okay, okay. Like, cool. I, which is also weird because I don't really think there's a problem. But my wife, whatever she told the doctor, the doctor was like, "Oh yeah, we'll do a sleep study." So he and I have to go yes. to like an office somewhere tonight at G, I think at GB, GBMC. Okay, where they're gonna monitor him sleeping, and I just gotta like camp out in a recliner next to him. So tonight's gonna suck for your boy. Bring a pillow. And, I, bring and a we got, and they're like kicking us out at like five a.m. Like, oh. like, yeah, you're right. That's it's not just awful. Tonight is oh. going to suck. Well, well, happy birthday, Sam. Yeah, happy yeah. birthday to Sam for sure. But I, and then that's that's the hopefully, other thing. Hopefully, he sleeps. Tight so she tonight. told me about the sleep study. She's like, so we got to do this. I'm like, all right, that's fine. And she was like, and they want to do it on June 6th. I'm like, that's his birthday. She's like, yeah. I'm like, we couldn't pick a different day. <laughs> we couldn't say, hey, how about June 7th? How does June 5th sound? Like he, by the way, this is what he requested for his birthday: Chick Fil A. This is a winner right here. Atta this boy. is my Atta guy. Boy. This is my guy. This is my guy. He's like nice cheap dinner. I love that. Um, I'm all in as he requested Chick Fil A for his birthday dinner tonight. So we'll do that, and then they're gonna go monitor monitor his sleep while Dad attempts to watch the Orioles game, and uh, it's gonna be a risk. So maybe it's better for me that there's no basketball tonight. So then as soon as the Orioles, although the Orioles game starts later because they're in Milwaukee. Son of a bitch, it's like at 740, isn't it? Ah, oh, I hate that. That stinks. Okay, really. What time do you have to get there? I don't know. How would I know that? My wife will tell me at some point. Today. I mean, it isn't like. She'll she'll message me and she'll hours. say, we're meeting then. We're meeting then. Are we, uh, do we want to take a break or are we calling now? You tell me. You're calling right now. All right, very good. Hey, a f- quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is here. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. All right, as we continue along here on a Tuesday edition of GCR, uh, I did not realize the announcement was coming this week, but my friend Heather Dinich over the weekend shared a tweet um, that made me very happy. I said, ah, you know what? Heather's right. And she mentioned that uh, she had spent some time with uh, Ralph Friedgen. She said, I just hung up with former Terps football coach Ralph Friedgen. Man, what a trip down memory lane. He hasn't changed one bit. Still as honest and candid as ever. Should be on the next uh, Hall of Fame ballot to win as consistently and he did, as he did in College Park was a true achievement there's no doubt about that and i've said over and over again it's a miracle what this man accomplished during his time at the university of maryland he is officially on the college football hall of fame ballot this week he is coach ralph Friedgen, and he is back with us now here on gcr coach it's glenn it's been too long hope you your family are doing well thank you for taking the time for us this morning 
Well, thank you for having me on, Glenn. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. My kids, I, and, I, and I know when I was down in Charleston, I think you saw my little one kind of peering through the window. Uh, my kids are now eight, and my younger son is six today. So I've got my hands full, to say the least at the moment, with two little boys running around. It's... Sounds like they need another trip to Charleston. I, you, know, you know I'm down. I loved it. I absolutely love being down that way. Um, how's the? Oh, I, got, uh, I got a bigger boat now, so <laughs> your family could get bigger. I tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring the kids. I'll call my buddy AJ Francis. At some point, we'll all make the trip down together. All right, we'll all come Good, down. I look forward to it. We'll all come see you, um, uh, Coach. I, I just I I know that you never got into coaching for things like you know the the College Football Hall of Fame. I understand that's not what this was all about. But but what would it mean to you, like now that your name is on the ballot, like what would it mean to you for your time to be recognized with an honor like that? You know, Glenn, you know, I've never been a big guy as far as awards, and, you know, I've got a lot of them. Uh, I, I actually wrote a poem. You never know I would write poetry, That's, but I do. You've, you've blown and, my and, mind. Uh, <laughs> the name of it was the Metallic Shrubbery, but there's, be inducted into the National Football Hall of Fame would be a lifetime achievement for me. It would be something that I would cherish the rest of my life. and You know, it's something that uh, I've always looked up to. Uh, every time I go to Atlanta or to the uh, Peach Bowl, we go to the Hall of Fame in Atlanta, and you just see all the great players and, and great coaches. And it brings back so many memories to me of uh, my interaction with all of those people, that to be actually one of those people would be a tremendous honor for me. Uh, What what Heather said to me was so important, and I've talked about it a lot. I I think that people get caught up in win totals and maybe miss the difficulty that a win at Maryland should probably count a little bit more than a win somewhere else, given the difficulty of the job that you had to do. Do you feel like people understand exactly what the circumstances were that you had walked into? And and maybe they, they should have, based on how things have gone, you know, other, other than we see Mike trying to turn things around now. But, like, do you think that people fully grasp why maybe simple wins and losses aren't an easy way to define exactly how difficult of a job it was that you had to do at Maryland? It's... I think some people in the Maryland area uh, realize that, but nationally I don't think it's, that well received or, or even remembered. Uh, you know, if you, go, you just go back and look at how many winning coaches that there have been at Maryland. When I came there, they had, they had 16 years of losing. They went to one bowl, which they tied. Um, you know, the morale was down, the attendance was down, uh, the budget was down. Um, you know, went into a really you know, a tough situation, but it was one that I really wanted very badly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the good Lord put me there at the right time, at the right place with the right people, the right support. You know, I, I inherited a bunch of kids that, you know, just wanted to win. They were so tired of being five and six and not going to bowl games that their, their whole, their whole goal was to win six games. And, be honest with you, that was a disappointment to me, but because I had never looked at it that way, but I kind of understood their feeling, and they worked so hard for me. And then I was able to hire, you know, our administration, Debbie Yao, allowed me to hire a really good staff. And you're not going to be successful without a good staff. And I had two great coordinators, 
you know, when she interviewed me, she wanted to know who I was interested in, in hiring. And I said, well, I've been waiting 33 years for this opportunity. And I have, uh, I have an A list, a B list and a C list. She said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I never knew what kind of job I would get. So I kind of go on, uh, what's the finances, who, who I can hire. I said, if you're on this list, you're a good coach. It's just who I think I could hire for the, for what I could pay. So she showed it to me, and I said, well, I guess we're dealing with the A-list. And I was able to hire Gary Backney and mm-hmm. Charlie Taff, and, and I inherited some good coaches in Mike Loxley and James Franklin. And, um, you know, we were a good team. You know, we operated well together, not only as a football coaching staff, but as an administration. So I'm very appreciative of that. Coach, you mentioned the two guys that, that that stayed around, right? I wonder, did you know, right? Like, we, you know, we're seeing the job that Mike is doing now, and and you know the affinity that I have for him, and and how much he, like you, loves this job and wanted this job and cares about this place, and it's not a stepping stone for him; it's where he wants to be. But did you know, like, when you met Mike Locks, did, did you know there was something special about him even back then? Did you? Like, were you like, I need this guy around, you know, he's a little bit different. Or was he too young for you to have a grasp for it and it was more, hey, it just worked out that he continued on that trajectory? Well, I didn't know either one of them. And um, Debbie uh, encouraged me to keep them on and just see how they were. But I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't a demand. It mm-hmm. was, a, you know, so, you know, right away when I took the job, I mean, it was just us three. And I had to get right out in recruiting. And when I got to, got into the homes, and they were actually m- more versed on Maryland at that time than I was. Sure. And the tough tough questions got answered. They had the answers. They were good. They were really good. So I was impressed with 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 how they handled you know tough situations. Uh, I felt like I could teach them what they needed to know as far as fitting into my system. So, again, I think I was in the right place at the right time to, to be able to hire good people. And I think both of them have proved that they're very good coaches and very good recruiters. And I think Mike's doing an unbelievable job. I think it's a little different job than when I when I took over, but I still think it's a very difficult job. He has just different different problems than I have. Sure, right. I don't know how he'd do it today, really, to be honest with you. No, I mean – but he, you know, I'm very proud of both of them, particularly Mike, because Mike had wanted this job for a long time. Yep. I think he's had it a couple of times. I tried to hire him, you know, when uh, I gave up being the coordinator's job. And in fact, I talked to him for three hours in the parking lot of uh, the Marriott Hotel in, in Greenbelt, and my car battery ran out at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> i've never heard this story that look at his like yeah i really have you to. could ask him about it oh, <laughs> i had to get a i had to try to get somebody to jump you at two o'clock in the morning it's not easy <laughs> and, and, and what really irritated me is i didn't get him <laughs> so um you did all that and you couldn't oh man oh i might have held that against him for a little while actually. i, I, I should have got at least a sympathy consideration <laughs> right. you know Oh, that is so great. Co- Coach. Uh, well, I did tell him later on when he got the job, I said, you know, if you, if you, if you committed to me about five or six years ago, you'd have got this job a lot earlier. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he this said, is, don't bring that up. This will is you? <laughs> on you. Yeah. That's a great point. 
Um, Coach, your your relationship and and the fact that we're in this place right um, now, and that you ha- are able to to have conversations with Mike, and you know you've been back a few times for various events, and you know like every time you've been back, you you know how beloved you are and how happy this fan base is to see you. How much is it meant to you to to be in this place with the University of Maryland years later? And I'm you know none of us are ever going to be over what happened because it was shameful, but. Um, to, to be able to be in this place where you can feel that love and know how much the people here care about you and want you here and talk to Mike and be involved in the program, what has that meant to you at this point in your life? Well, it really meant – it's kind of surprising, to be honest I with you. I believe that. And heartwarming at the same time. I remember uh, – you know, I'd never been in the parking lot before a game, but I had my grandson with me, and we were – driving in the golf cart and the, the, the people expressing their affections and love and, and greetings to me was, was really heartwarming to me. But I think it kind of overwhelmed my grandson. He said, you know, who are you? You're, you're a pretty important guy. I said, well, today I am anyway, <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it, the other thing I'd like to say is that, uh, Damon Evans has really opened, welcomed me with open arms and has treated me extremely well and really kind of made me feel comfortable coming back to Maryland. You know, there was a time I was disappointed in in the administration there. And, um, you know, I had, I had a a bad year in 2009. We lost, uh, we were two and 10. I played 36 freshmen. And then the next year we went nine and four and I had 36 sophomores. And I really wanted to stay on for two more years because I wanted to see those sophomores be juniors and seniors. And I was going to have a really good football team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, they made the change. And then they got rid of a lot of those kids. And, um, you know, things didn't turn out so well from there. And a lot of those guys are still playing in the NFL. You know, so it's, uh, you know, I, I really want to thank Damon for, for welcoming me. And then last year I went to uh, – the National Hall of Fame, because uh, E.J. Henderson was being inducted. Yep. And uh, and what Maryland did for E.J. Henderson was unbelievable. I mean, it was showing him the support. Um, it, it was it was more than I ever anticipated. He must have, you know, E.J. must have had oh, 25 or 30 people there. And, That's awesome. And Maryland had him for dinner, and it was really a wonderful occasion, and so they're doing things very first class in Maryland. I think Mike's doing a heck of a job. They got great facilities. You know, they got other problems they got to deal with, but uh, you know, Mike'll figure that out. He'll get it done. And I don't see why Maryland can't be right at the top of the Big Ten myself. I tell you what stands out to me about Mike. I don't know that you and I have ever talked about this, but and as I mentioned, you know how close I am. AJ Francis is one of my best friends, and like he talks about Mike in a way. That's unlike other people. And he has great affinity for you. Like whenever we talk about you, he's got this giant smile on his face. And what jumps out to me is how genuine it is that he cares about these kids. And that, when I think about you and Gloria uh, in particular, too, is, is so similar that like it's not just, you know, you're, you're a transaction to me. You're someone who's here to try to help me win football games. And then I kind of don't care beyond that. Do, do you feel that with Mike, that, like, the care, the concern he has for these young people 
is similar to the way that you guys operated that program for so many years when I know how personal those relationships were for you with guys like AJ, guys like Tori, the guys that go back, the EJs of the world. I definitely feel that with Mike because Mike had that way with the players. You know, Mike would get very, very close to his players and still does. I think it, I think it's tougher today than it was when I was coaching because of this um, transfer portal. Sure. Uh, NIL, yeah. NIL, because I think players, you know, are kind of looking at it more selfishly, and so, so do coaches, because if a player doesn't measure up to what he's, he's expected, they tell him to go into the portal. They try to call their team. So there's not the trust that you, you really need. You know, you, you go into a home and, uh, back in the day, and, you, and even now, you, you talk about getting a college education and preparing kids uh, to get internships and to get good jobs. And, you know, I always thought the decision was not for the next four years, but for the next 40 years. Now it's for the here and now. You know, what what can I do now? And, um, you know, I, I just worry about losing that, that fact. When I was in the NFL, I thought something was missing. I, as much as I loved the competition, but you never have an, the impact on an NFL player personally like you do uh, with a college player. You know, maybe it's because I have three daughters. I don't know. But I tried to treat all of my players like they were my sons. And that was not always telling them what they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. I just tell them what I thought was best for them. But, you know, over time, I think the kids realize that. And some of the kids I had a, probably a, 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 a rocky relationship with. I, I have a great relationship right now. In fact, I just had a, a reunion with my 85, 84, and 83 linemen. That's cool. Came down to Charleston for a weekend with me. That's uh, 40, that's what, almost 30 years I coached those guys. Wow. And I still have a relationship with them. So, you know, I, don't, I, I, I worry about that aspect. I mean, that's really why I went back to college because I missed that, that effect on kids. You know, you, you, you know, you, you could, you take a freshman or a sophomore and, you know, just like I was, you're going to make mistakes, but you grow from your mistakes, and then you go see that kid graduate in a couple of years. He's he's doing well. He's got a family. And you know you had some input into that person's life, more than just football. You know, football taught him a lot about life, too. But, um, you know, right now I think sometimes everything's too easy for him. I don't think we got to go back to, you know, you got to work through some tough times, you know. That's the, that's the other thing that would make this Hall of Fame because nothing's ever come easy for me. I've always had to work at it, and, and I, don't, I don't regret that at all. I just The harder you work, the better your chances are to, at success. and That's why I'm hoping that, uh, you know, my, my daughter's doing a thing, Glenn, that's kind of, you know, she's, she's kind of, a, I call her my IT person. She's, <laughs> she's, doing, she's doing a thing on Instagram, and... Um, She's finally commit, convinced me to do it. Where we pull up, we're doing the 2001 season right now, and I'm going, I'm going through certain games that were important. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, she's, uh, you know, she's taping it, and she's going to put it up on Instagram where people can see it. She's already said she put it up. I think it's uh, Coach Fridge. I see up, it. I got up, it. Up, yeah, and, and so. You know, I spent up to about, I was up to about 11 o'clock. I usually go to bed at 9 right now doing a thing. I hit a button and I went on to another screen. I just said, 
said, forget it. I'll get it tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna figure it out. But she's very talented, and she's been wanting to do this for a long while. And we'll see how it goes and how it gets received. And and uh, maybe we'll do the whole the whole ten years I was I there. I love that. I talking love talking about that. the ups and downs. You know, it's so co- we'll see how it goes. It's Coach Fridge on Instagram, and I see the video here. Forward progress um, for you guys. To go I think ch- it's a football for Fridge or something like yeah. that. Go, go, like- go check. It's that's a very cool thing, and I'm I'm glad you're doing it, Coach. And I look, you know how I feel. You know what really jumps out to me too. I was talking about the young people in this room that don't remember uh, that season. It's a shame there wasn't a 12 team playoff that year, right? Like real shame right. that that didn't happen that way. Because that would have been what a testament it would be to go back and say, hey, and we were in the mix to win a national championship, which is so very true about that team, uh, a one-loss team throughout the course of the year going into bowl season. Uh, and, you know, I, I watched I watch like – I bought a big-screen TV, I don't know, 72 inches or whatever, so I could do picture-in-picture picture and actually see the pictures, you know. So I watch about four games uh, at a time. Sometimes five I could switch it off. And my, you know, I make comments of the game. So my daughter wants wants to film that. Because I call them, you know, dumbass plays and this and that. You know? <laughs> so she she thinks it would be great that I would be able to comment on everything. You know, I so, love that. But, uh, but, okay, football by Freegen. <laughs> football by Freegen is the Instagram account. It's a new one. Football by Freegen. Let's tweet about that, Griffin, and tell people to go follow it. Football by Freegen is the account for you to go check out. That is, uh, that is great stuff. Um, Coach, you know, I, I love you. I appreciate the, the time that I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. You, you know, you get into this business and you meet people, and I'll be honest with you, I was a young person. I was, I was intimidated, right, by guys like you. And the relationship that we developed over the years, uh, it means a lot to me, and it taught me a lot about this business and how to handle myself and to learn how to, to ask questions and things like that. And I don't know that I've ever told you that directly, but you played a significant role in me figuring out how to do this uh, once upon a time. So I will be eternally grateful figured, for that. You figured if you could interview me, you could interview anybody. Huh? I, I, as it turns out, I had no idea how good I had it, right? <laughs> like, I thought it was intimidating talking to you, and then I started talking to other guys. I was like, oh, these guys are a-holes. Ralph is great. Like, I had no you idea know, how good I had it. <laughs> I was talking to Heather Dennis the other day, and she, you know, she said to me, "Nobody, you know, I used to have the, the press in my office three three times a week." And she said, "Nobody does that anymore. No one sits yep. down." And I would have, you know, five, six, seven reporters, and and you know, I I told them, I said, "Look, you know, I'm a I'm an emotional guy, and we have a bad practice. I come in here." And, I might not be in the best of moods. And I said, sometimes we have a great practice and I'll be jovial and crack jokes. Sometimes I'll get emotional. So I said, but, you know, if if you want to know who I am, you know, just treat me fairly. You know, you don't have to agree with me. And I said, we won't have any problems. And when I look back over my 10 years in in the D.C. area, I think I was treated very fairly. I don't have any problems. Didn't always agree. But, you know, sometimes you... You see things you don't like, and you look at them and you analyze. You could see their point of view. So, I always believe in being straight up and you know not trying to deceive anybody and let the chips fall where they may. You know? I, I I I think that was what we learned about you the entire time, Coach, and I think it's why so many of us have such incredible reverence for you, and uh, we are rooting for you and openly campaigning 
for you to receive this honor, and you are incredibly well-deserving of it. Uh, Coach, please oh, thank you. give my best to your wife. I look forward. I need to get back down there. I uh, love that part of the country and would love to come see you soon. Thank you for spending a couple minutes with us this morning. You're always welcome here, Glenn. Thank okay. you, Coach. Appreciate you. Thank you. Co- Coach Ralph Reed, it's okay. It's okay. He is uh, he's a special individual, man. He's a very special human being. And, again, for, 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 for folks like Carson and Griffin, it might be tough to understand because you didn't live the moment. Maryland football was a non-entity. Ralph Regan showed up, and all of a sudden, Maryland football mattered. Mattered. Was playing big national primetime games. You know, the Sean Merriman's of the world, the Vernon Davises of the world, Lamont Jordan, superstar players that would go on to have great NFL careers to quell Jackson. Like, all of a sudden, Maryland football went from Nothing. Of course, the tail end, Torrey Smith, think you heard of him. Went from nothing, a a pimple on the buttocks of college football to being an extraordinarily relevant program, not just locally. Like, that's the funny part. Like, right now, Maryland football does kind of matter locally. When the games are played on Saturday, people are inclined to watch. There's a little bit of life there. There's a, there's a hope for a next step. When when Ralph Regional arrived, Maryland football didn't even matter locally. You didn't even you weren't inclined to tune in and watch on a Saturday. It went from that to Maryland football mattering. They would talk about Maryland on college game day. Like they would talk about Maryland. Like that's how much Maryland football mattered in those uh, early years with Ralph Regan. I I can't say enough about his deservedness for the College Football Hall of Fame. His job can. 75 and 50 is the record that you see, and you're like, hmm, Hall of Fame? Really? Because if you didn't live it, if you, if you weren't here, if you don't understand the impossibility of it, you'll never be able to get it just by looking at wins and losses. You'll just say, dude, he won, you know, he won 25 more games than he lost. Like, how's that a Hall of Famer? And it, it, you, you can't define the job that Ralph Regan did in building Maryland. I was appreciative of Heather because she has this very large national voice within college football. And for those that don't know, Heather Dennett from ESPN, like cut her teeth out out of um, college. She cut her teeth covering Maryland for the Baltimore Sun. And, you know, I I got to know Heather really well. She's a, a good friend and I love Heather. And she has, because she matters so much in the college football landscape, a very powerful voice, so I appreciate her using it. And she knows. Like, she she can define the job that Ralph Regan did. She understands it in a way that not everyone understands. Our buddy Patrick Stevens understands it. Like, you know, ask him. Go, go talk to Patrick. And Patrick's not even a football guy, right? Like, he's a basketball guy, lacrosse guy. But at the time, he was covering Maryland for the Washington Times and for – um, the Diamondback is a student even before that, right? And he knows damn well how impossible it was what Ralph Regan accomplished at the University of Maryland. So, like, I, I, I don't know the voting process because we don't pay attention to the College Football Hall of Fame that much, right? Like, it just doesn't – it's not like the Baseball Hall of Fame where you know who – I don't even, I don't know who, who is in charge and who makes these decisions. And that's a great point, John and Little Rock. Let's not underestimate the massive work and achievements he made as an offensive coordinator either under Bobby Ross at Maryland. Another thousand percent. It's what got him into the NFL, right? Like before he was ever 
a um, a head coach at Maryland, Ralph Regan had made a name for himself as an offensive guru going from the O-line coach to being offensive coordinator at Maryland. Then he went on with his buddy um, uh, George O'Leary down to uh, Georgia Tech and had a good run there. I think, did they win the national championship? Am I remembering that right, Georgia Tech? Oh, God, this is going to drive me nuts. Um, In football? Mm-hmm. What year yeah. What year are you thinking? Uh, it would have been late 80s, early 90s. It was 1990 was when they, was they won, won, the it, was when they won the national championship. And he, yeah, was there. He was uh-huh. there. He was the offensive coordinator. Of a, it, Georgia Tech won a national championship, which is a sentence that yeah. neither one of you would believe. For any sport. Georgia Tech won a national championship in large part thanks to Ralph Regan. And yes, he went with Bobby Ross and then uh, developed that friendship with George O'Leary. Um, and then ultimately from there went to the Chargers and then came back to uh, Georgia Tech after that and then ultimately ended up. So he went first with Bobby Ross, then with George O'Leary at Georgia Tech, but he was a hell of an assistant coach before he ever became a head coach and so desperately and badly wanted the Maryland job. Here's a thing that nobody – a lot of people forget. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers interviewed Ralph Regan to be their head coach. And he ultimately decided he wanted to stay at Maryland. That's how much he loved Jeez. this place. Yeah. Oh my yeah. He loved this place. So, uh, um, you want to try to play that video on their Instagram or not? Nah? Uh, the one that he did. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what. Like, I don't. I don't know what I'm getting into yet. So why okay. don't we? Why don't we watch that and figure out what it is, and then maybe right. we can share it from there. All right. Uh, love Ralph. Uh, just somebody I, I care about a great deal. I'll, I'll never waver off of that. You you make relationships in this business, and I meant what I said. Like I was a young kid, and I remember the first time I needed to talk to him for something, and he invited me into his office. He just, like, I, and it's a different world, right? Like, back in that day, you could reach out to somebody. I I don't remember who was the the sports information director at the time, but whoever I reached out to, the follow-up wasn't from them. The follow-up was a phone call that I got from Ralph Regan. Like, I went from calling and saying, hey, I'm working on, I don't even remember, I think I was working on a story about, Aaron Henderson and now that wouldn't have been the first time. I do remember that one being one. But like the first time I ever needed something from Ralph Regan, I was working on a story. I was writing for a very small paper. I was working on a story and I got a call or I, I realized I needed a quote from Ralph Regan. And I called the Maryland sports office and left a message. And the follow up I got wasn't from them. It was from, it was from Ralph Regan. Who said, I'll talk to you over the phone, but I'd rather you come down here and sit with me in my office. And I was like, okay. So I, the next day, got in my car, drove down, and sat in the office with Coach. And we, you know, had a lengthy con. And I, God, I wish I, could rem- I wish I could remember what the story was about. Because I do remember us be, having. Do you think it should be somewhere, archived somewhere? Or? I don't even know which paper. I was writing for so many tiny podunk. No, these were podunk paper. I mean, this was like, you know, like the Perry Hall. Oh, God, I don't even remember the names of these papers. I think it was the Catonsville Times was one of them, but they don't they, they don't have this stuff, you know, registered. There was definitely a an Essex paper that I was wrote, writing for at one point. I you were just picking up whatever gigs you could get, like, and I would pitch story ideas. I remember pitching the story idea of Aaron Henderson and Keon Lattimore were both playing at Maryland at the same time, and of course Aaron's the younger brother of EJ, Keon is the younger brother of Ray Lewis. So I was like, that's a neat kind of story about these two guys that share something in common 
you know, being the the younger brothers of you know high level players. Not trying to say that EJ Henderson was ever quite Ray Lewis, but EJ Henderson was a, I mean, he's a college football Hall mm-hmm. of Famer. He was, you know, a high level NFL player. I'm gonna guess he made a Pro Bowl at some point during his career. I don't know. Like he was a high level player. So it was a neat story. And I remember pitching this idea to a couple of these little podunk papers that I had been writing for at the time. And one of them saying, yeah, we love that. And like, God knows, they might have paid me 50 bucks for it. I mean, they, this was, these were not money gigs. Like, these were just, I wanted to do it. I was cutting my teeth, and I was trying to sell anything. And I remember Ralph saying, well, we have practice on Tuesday. It'll end around 7. You can talk to the guys then, and then you'll come up and sit with me afterwards. And I just remember sitting, and he was like, you want to order some food? Like, it was just... Like we had now connected a couple of times and we were starting to develop a rapport. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Like this is, I don't know why I was intimidated by this guy. You were He's, like Trent Krim. You were just, yeah. Right. Like sitting it, in with the team. It, all was, year. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't quite that. I wasn't a, a desert. Or a, a, what are the dogs or the diamond dogs? Diamond I wasn't dogs. a diamond, oh, you weren't dog. A diamond dog. No, but um, might've been if you stuck around. Yeah. Maybe who knows? Um, uh, I, I do. I have great, great affinity and respect for Ralph region and uh, rooting like hell for him to get that call for the college football hall of fame. All right. We are winding down for a Tuesday edition of the program. Don't forget pressboxonline.com slash contest. That's what you get where you go. Sign up to win four tickets to all the area minor league teams, plus an easy pass Maryland on the go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal farms. Pressboxonline.com slash contest. That's how you do it. We'll come back in and we'll get a tidbit and tuba to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, oh, super fans. Marvel Superhero Day is coming to Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, June 10th, when the O's play the Kansas City Royals at 4.05. Be one of the first 25,000 fans, 15 and over at the game, to receive an exclusive Adley Rutschman bobblehead inspired by Captain America. Come out to experience the Marvel Universe at Oriole Park and arrive early for Early Bird Saturday. Gates open two hours before first pitch with happy hour, live music, and more. Buy tickets now at Orioles.com slash tickets. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game powered by New Balance will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. 
Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Novak Djokovic dropped his first set today against Karen Hatchinoff in the French Open quarterfinals, but he's bounced back nicely. He is looking to go up a break now. He's up two sets to one, looking to go up a break in the fourth and start to put this away. A uh, big one later on today, the night match in Paris is the quarterfinals. Boy, they did Carlos Alcaraz zero favors. He's got what? Sits a pass today. Then it would be Djokovic. If he gets that, it would be Djokovic in the semifinals. And then the bottom half of the bracket stinks, but it could be Zverev, which I'm rooting for. Anybody but Zverev is how I feel about the bottom half of the bracket. Uh, or the draw is what you call it in tennis. The bracket, yeah. Uh, but well, yeah, no, they have so, to go. So that we understand. They bracket. have to go sit. Yeah, thank you. They have to go sit to pass Djokovic, and the final is. That is a lot. Like, Sitsipas, an incredible clay court player. Djokovic, you know, is Novak Djokovic on any surface. And then whoever it would be in the final, just ugh. Well, if he's that guy, he's got to figure it out. I, uh, I'd like to hope he is. It would be very disappointing to me. I was extraordinarily disappointed by how the Frankie, Frankie fell apart over the weekend mm-hmm. against Zverev. If Zverev gets the final, I'm going to need Carlos Alcaraz to be waiting for him. Or... I'm just going to become like I'm not a huge Djokovic fan, but if he plays Zverev in the final on Sunday, I will be the world's biggest Novak Djokovic fan. Uh, I will be a number one. Uh, when are we going to start your segment, Carson? What's going on with that? I actually have one for today. You have something for today? So uh, Glenn and I have been discussing what we are going to do. I would like to do kind of a web Life junk hack thing. So, I would. Or- I would like to. Like I'd like to incorporate a couple different things, but yes, one of them would be, I would like you to to demonstrate these life hacks that people are constantly sharing. For I always see like here's a life hack, and then like some I look of which at go it, very viral by the and way. And I look at it, and I'm like, is that real? And then I forget about it mm-hmm. like a day, like by within a day, I'm like, what what was that thing that I wanted to try? I wanted to try a different way of slicing a pineapple, and I already forgot what it was that I wanted to do in a different way of slicing a pineapple. You are going to actually demonstrate some of these life hacks. Yes. So, by the way, I found like seventeen dollar overalls on Amazon. Oh, I want. Could you please get on that? Okay. Okay. I. I I want to. If you need me to pay for the overalls, no, I. I I will pay for the overalls. Okay, I can buy. I'll do it. I get the overalls. It's okay. So this one particular, it's the video is actually I don't know how many likes it has exactly, but it it was quite a few. I uh, encountered it earlier this week. Basically, so. Uh, right now, like a lot of people are into vintage T-shirts and sort of repurposing them and giving them a second life with you wearing them, like shirts from the 90s and stuff. But a lot of them are small, or you wash a shirt and it comes out of the dryer and it's and it will have shrunk. So there's this 
video that's going around, and apparently this works. If you take your cotton T-shirt and you put it in a, like either a bucket or your sink that you put the drain in or whatever, bathtub of warm water, and then conditioner, like hair conditioner, and you put the shirt in there for about two hours, and then you wring it out, and you air dry it. You don't put it in the dryer. You just air dry it. It can increase the length, and then I don't know if this would be width or sleeve length, by up to two inches. Really? And all you have to do is, while it's damp, you kind of do some pulling on it, and then you just air dry I, it. Can I say And that? it can increase the length this by two inches. And then you can wear the shirt. It's it can a go lot from, of work for, like, you can just buy a new shirt. Yeah, but if your shirt that this has... But have, you ever, have you ever a shirt you really like, know, and then you if, shrunk if, it in the dryer on accident? If your though? old Grateful Dead t-shirt, you know, I, that, starts to wear, okay. wear out. I, I'm con- this one to me does not come off as much as a life hack as it comes off to me as like a waste of time kind of <laughs> like but like you've never shrunk a shirt like it's happened to me and on I multiple live occasions with it. this is part of me like I, I live with it I just get a different shirt right like that's there true there are other shirts to be had here's a, a life hack is I don't feel like if you're ironing. out of pickles here, here's a life hack if yeah. you're out of pickles go get like you know just actually get a cucumber and then pickle it over the course of a few days. Right, that's and not a life hack. That's just how you make pickles, Griffin. You're not, like, you've missed life hacks. Well, no, that's because oh, that's, like, that's not really a life hack. Oh, it's you're like comparing two hours. it to this. Right, got yeah, it. Two. I Okay, now I get it. I get it. That's not really a life hack. It's just work. What I'm saying is, like, a life hack to me is I don't want to have to iron a shirt. Like, if I got a big boy job that required me to, you know, like, I don't want to have to do that every morning. I don't feel like ironing and pressing a shirt. So somebody... Has you know when everybody's like oh just hang it up in the in the bathroom when you take a shower and it'll get all the wrinkles out what well, doesn't actually work it's just something people say but then somebody decides like hey if you you know have a candle you can leave your shirt sitting by that candle overnight and that like again sounds crazy but so every, then all of a sudden you test it and you're like holy crap this really works well that's a life hack now you have done life hackery for me. Because now I don't have to wake up in the morning and iron my big boy shirt for my big boy job at Super Megacorp. This comes off as an extraordinary amount of work. We're like, yeah, it might work, but is it really a life hack or is it just? If you got a t-shirt, I'm gonna say really it is. Like, Glenn, what if what if your red Under Armour polo that you wear? What if that thing? What if you I, I pulled it out of the dryer and you're like, out of it. shoot, man, this thing say, is gonna be right, like almost a crop top. It's time for me to get top. a new Under Armour polo. No, like we know that, Glenn does 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 love that red Under Armour polo. Yeah, I wear right, that all. You're right, even, Carson. You're exactly. Right. What if you put that thing on? You're like, shoot, this thing's almost a crop top. I'll I'll <laughs> live. I can get. I would say maybe I need to go spend a few more minutes at the gym. That might be one no. Is that I, um, I I just just I don't, a couple minutes. That yeah. doesn't come off as life hack to me as much as it comes off as a different like. It's an amount of work you can put into something and can accomplish a goal, but I don't know that it's a life hack. A life hack to me is work smarter, not harder, right? Like it's the you you think you need to. It's more of a money saver, I guess, because you don't you don't have to go spend thirty bucks on a new T-shirt if you just if you made a mistake and put it in the dryer. Your old pal GC will not be spending thirty bucks on any T-shirt ever. That day, whenever every time I go to a concert, I'm like, I really want some merch. And then I walk up to the merch table and I say, No, I don't. I'm good. I really don't want that merch. Yeah. I love you guys. And I'm not, I was at Blink 182 a couple Fridays ago and I love Blink 182. And I would like to buy some Blink 182 merch, but I'm just not going to be price gouged. Like, I, I will never be price gouged. You're not going to get me to spend that amount of money on a t shirt. It won't happen ever. Ever, 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 ever. Yeah. I'll go to birdlandsports.com and order my t-shirts for much more reasonable prices. 
and they'll be great, and they'll be fun. You're not going to gouge me on T-shirt prices. That day will never come. I'm sorry. I am fighting a one-man war. I understand. Yeah, I have I many can, times, and I probably will continue. I, just I, most people will. I get it. I understand that. I am fighting uh, on my own in this situation, and that's why we're losing, and that's why <laughs> infl- I, I'm trying to fight inflation by myself and just say I, will, I refuse to pay your prices. I just I do. I flatly refuse. I flatly refuse to do it. So were you going to attempt to do that at home and then bring in the... Yes, because I, I have, I have a shirt that I... I don't think that works for the segment, man. I think the segment, you have to demonstrate something in front of us. Like, I'm telling you... Yeah, that was the problem with like, this one. Like, slicing a pineapple in a way that like we've never seen. Like, that type of stuff is there. It's on TikTok. It's on YouTube. People doing that type of stuff. You could bring in and demonstrate for us and hopefully not lose a finger. Or maybe for the sake I'm of... Good, I got good knife skills. Or, I, I got oh, do you? Skills. Can you? Can you sharpen your own knives? Uh, if you give, I mean, I don't have like. Well, when I used to work in a restaurant, like yeah. I can, but I don't have one of those. You know, right. thing. I don't have one of those at home, but I know how to do it. All right, I, that's the type of stuff I want you to do. Okay. The only all reason right? I picked the shirt one is because it had like, uh, it had at least a million likes, you. and all the comments and, were like, I, I, "This actually works." And I like, dig that. I would just like it to be something we can actually show and tell. Is what? Yeah, I mean that checks. I get on that. the show. That checks I out. want you next Tuesday to have. I keep bringing up the pineapple. I don't. I. I swear to God, I saw a video one. Glenn time. really wants pineapples. I'm yes, I them. would really okay. like some delicious. Oh. Oh, you know what I do want to try? Just apropos of nothing. Uh, a friend of mine's daughter who lives in Florida, who's never lived here at any point in her life, said, just tweeted the, all she said on Twitter the other night. I saw her tweet, pineapple in Old Bay. Oh, no. It's like tahini, like you're, like mean, watermelon and tahini. It's like that. So this is exactly. Okay, yeah. So, a so all she said. Is that a life hack, okay. all, No, it's I not mean. a life hack. It's, I said it's unrelated. I literally <laughs> said the words unrelated. Did you not hear that? No, I, I did. I did. Man. I don't know if I heard it. All I saw her tweet was pineapple and Old Bay. Now I saw her when we were down at Disney in January, so I, I, I wasn't. It wasn't creepy for me to respond. Like I, I've known Kadena since she was like a, a baby, because she, my, she's my friend's daughter. If you say so. I swear to God, um, and I love her. I, she, she's a good, she's a, a, a good kid, and all she said was pineapple and Old Bay, and I just responded back, go on, go on. And that's exactly what she said. She's like, it's like tamarind. It's just you're replacing mm-hmm. tamarind with Old Bay. And I said, I'll subscribe to your newsletter. Like, we can do this. So we want to do this next Tuesday? Or? So what, what? It's unrelated to life hacks, though. But what, okay, but what it sounds like is if I can we find a life hack on a good way to cut a pineapple, then I can cut the pineapple we could, we and we can, we can put some Old Bay okay. on I'm, it. I'm, I'm not opposed to all of the above. But I'm this not, requires me to find a good way to cut a pineapple. If I'm being like, honest with you. The only way I know how to cut a pineapple what is, is What is it? Way. It's, it's ta- tamarind? Is that what it's I th- called? Well, like, I know that, like, if you yeah, take uh, watermelon and put this stuff called tahini on it. Tahini, that's what it's called. And that's like a combo. It's like a sweet spicy that people yeah, like. Tahine and pineapple. So, uh, like, people literally call them, like, pineapple pops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've never done that. It's like you freeze yeah. pineapple okay. and tahine. Why did I say tamarind? That's another spice, know. right? Yeah. Tamarind is a spice, isn't it? Tamarind is Tumeric. a spice. Turmeric. Turmeric is Tumeric a spice. Turmeric, I know, is a spice. But tamarind, I believe tamarind is also. Tamarind is a monkey. Tamarind, no. tamarind is a plant. It's a seasoning. I'm on this. Okay. I'm not an idiot. I'm on this. Tamarind is a legumous tree bearing edible fruit that is in... Well, so what, it's edible. It's definitely edible. You can eat it. It's uh, apparently it's also a, a, it's used as a. Yeah, yeah, they had tahini yeah. stands essentially like all over L.A. Like just people selling. Of fruit course, these California douchebags. It's all they. Of course, <laughs> they want to put avocado and ice cream, and you got to put tahini on everything. Uh, but I'm still willing to listen. Old Bay and pineapple. I'm willing to listen. I also have a third idea for a concept 
where we do a video series where we just invite famous people we know to come consu- try Old Bay on random things with us. Okay. Like we saw we, the Pop Tart. Yeah, that's like we did the Pop Tart. Yeah. And by the way, how about in, I got invited on Amber Theo Harris's show to talk about the Pop Tart? Really? This is a straight shoot. So this is our new angle. On I got everything. I got a text that day from Amber Theo Harris's producer on Sirius XM. And they were like, hey, man, could you come back on the show next week? And I was like, sure, of course. You know, I I love Amber. Right? Of course I will. Thank you, Chargers social media right? team. We get, I get on. The first eight minutes of the conversation are just about the Pop-Tarts. <laughs> and then the, uh, the revelation that I offered that I had once snorted Old Bay. Like, it's all we talked about for eight minutes. And I was like, maybe we should be that. Maybe that should be our piece of the Internet. Is it's that old, the we, old Bay guys? Like, yeah, we're the old Bay. Like, we call up, you know, friends of ours. I call Josh and I say, Josh, why don't you come down? Next time you're down, tell me when you're here, and we'll do a bit where we try like two different random foods that we just incorporate Old Bay with, and we'll be the, that'll be our niche of the internet is being the, yeah. that guy. My dad keeps Old Bay on his keychain. You never seen the portable oh. ones? That's that's next level. He thrilling. puts oh I'm tell I'm I'm telling you guys he puts it on spaghetti Chinese food. My dad keeps all of his old bay cans he, in like a graveyard in our basement. He Smart has all, man. Smart man. There's probably like a hundred of them. I, My dad's the biggest old bay proponent. I've well I mean it's but that's if what you're I try listening, to, dad, I try to I, explain to people. It's just <laughs> who we are as a people. It's just what we do. Like you can knock us for it or the Chargers thought they were make fun, making fun of us and all we saw was like. Yeah, we try that. <laughs> like they thought it was a joke. Like all they do is put Old Bay on everything. We're like, yes, that's an accurate statement. About you should see the look we... on some people's faces in like a nice restaurant. My dad open pulls out of his pocket this little Old Bay can on a keychain and just. All right, so I want to do both food. things next Tuesday. I want you to have a life hack prepared for us. Okay, but Griffin, you... I'd also like for you to do okay. the pineapple Old Bay bit. I'd if I can't like... find a good way to slice a pineapple that counts as a life hack, I'll just bring in some pine, like some sliced pineapple. Well, you guys can talk okay. about this, the two of you, and prepare. Well, okay. this. I want yeah, you to have a show and tell life hack. Okay. And I want us to also do, and if they combine in some way, great, right? Like, all good. But I also want us to do the Old Bay and Pineapple bit. Do you have to do it, Frozen? We could just do it. Uh, no, I've, I've also seen, like, people yeah. eat, like, I know I keep going back to watermelon and tahini, but yeah. I've seen people, like, cut watermelon and just, like, take the tahini thing and just put it on top and eat it. Why do you need to improve watermelon? It's effing watermelon. It's the most perfect thing that's ever existed in the world. Why are we trying to improve it? It's an overrated fruit. I made, remember, I made Paul, well. I made Paul eat a mustard watermelon once because he lost oh. a bet. Literally just covered. It's like a summer cookout, like, gone wrong. God, it was so wretched. Yeah. It made a face. It was very bad. All right, we're doing both those things next Tuesday. Okay. And let's start thinking about making that a video segment that we- Just different foods that we We own a piece of the internet by, like, doing an call it, like, an interview series, but it'd be short. Yeah. Think about friends that we have, people that would be willing to do it with us, that we could call upon and say, hey, we need you to come over one day, sit in with us, and we're also going to do, we're going to try a couple of- various and i think that should be our shtick moving forward i think we should be the old bay guys okay. moving forward right. old bay like, like old bay idea. milkshake like oh that, that'd be i'd try I, that i, guarantee, old, like I, I guarantee that you ever had like an old bay, like, I, I guarantee like an old bay bacon milkshake would yes, probably be i guarantee so good. you can order that at many places around old bay town. pickle yeah, just well that, that, you can buy old bay pickles like they, they sell those we got to oh, really? be more creative oh, wow. than that like we got to think about things that you know, chinese food with old bay we got to think about yeah. things that nobody's thought about pizza it's actually pretty good on spaghetti it's like a sin. I've never tried it. If you're Italian, it, I guess that's a sin, but like it's really no, good. No, I guarantee it's quite good. I mean, like I I can some old bay meatballs, like all of that sounds really good to me. That sounds incredible. We got to think outside the box. Like the Pop-Tart thing, nobody By the way, apparently they do like uh there were cereal. 
there's a new yeah sure Frosted right flakes with old bay. we're like there's no way there's no way this would work imagine if we invited cal ripkin to come in and do like old bay milk right like, <laughs> like that's the type yeah. of stuff that i think we should be doing i think we should be okay. trying to do that somewhat frequently where we invite our friends to come in and hang out with us and try Old Bay things, all right? All right. That was just an idea that was floating around in the back of my mind. It's already 12.30. we got to go. We haven't even done Tidbit because I've been spitballing this. Um, oh, uh, yeah, Tidbit. Who's it brought a... to you by? It's brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. That's who it's brought to you by. PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. This is the type of thing we should be having pre-show meetings about. Instead, I just do on the air. (laughs) This is the problem that I have, is that that's a pre-show or post-show meeting, and I just... We should have been off the air 10 minutes ago. 100%. Real quick, I think David Dubois would be a great... Oh, to, to try some of these that. things. Just real, I just had to throw the that. The fact that he came in and tried the the what what, what it is? Uh, peanut butter yeah, pickle, peanut pickle pie. Yeah, yeah. we're like, oh. you want to try some peanut butter pickle pie? And he was just like, okay, yes, one hundred percent. We would have him in. Uh, so last night, uh, even though nobody watched the hockey, uh, was the second most combined penalty infraction minutes in a Stanley Cup game. Oh, uh, we call the interview ever. series clickbait, but we make it B A Y T clickbait. All right. Throw it down as an I idea. like that. Get on that. Uh, hold on. Let me just Sorry. Make sure we don't forget. Click. Clickbait. Right. Yeah. That's a pretty good idea, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Does that work? Will people get? Because they see it. They see clickbait. All right. Yeah. All right. We yeah. can yeah. we can mess around with we'll it. I'm not going to commit to it yet. Come up with some other ideas. Spitball. Um. Also, the Golden Knights have outscored the Panthers 12 to four in yeah, the getting, first two games. That's they what I are said. the seventh team to outscore opponent by eight goals through the first two games. I'm stunned. There have been six others. Yeah. Uh, all six of them went on the win the series. So yeah, seems more likely than not over. Andrew Abbott became the second Reds pitcher ever uh, to go six innings and allow one or fewer hits in his MLB debut last night. He joins in 2008. This debut, this Reds debut in 08 was yeah. Cueto wouldn't have been in 08. Was really? Was he still yes. all the way back in 08? Yep. Damn. Johnny Cueto in his debut. Six right. innings, one hit. Yeah. Uh, Louisa Rise, he's the first player with 10 hits and eight R- or Okay, second player in the last 50 years to ever have 10 hits and eight RBIs and zero home how, runs. I need you to also span. look up how deep in the season Roberto Alomar was flirting with 400 when he was in Baltimore. Okay. Not, not right now. Like, you can let, do that while we do tubular or something. But, like, everybody's freaking out about Arise hitting 400, and I get it. I feel like Roberto Alomar was basically this deep in the season hitting 397. Like, he was like he was at like 420 like a couple weeks ago. Then he had like a really bad stretch where he was like down to 370. Yeah. And now he's back up to 399. Yeah, he's been. Uh, but so the only other player to ever have eight RBIs, ten hits, no home runs in a three game stretch, George Brett huh. did this. That's the, the, only, this the only. These this That's is the only two instances remarkable. that this has ever happened in okay. the last 50 years. Uh, Orioles are starting their series with Milwaukee. They have not really played well against the Brewers since they moved to the National League. Uh, in 1998, they're five and ten against the Brewers uh, since they since since they became, this became an interleague match. I mean, in fairness, the Orioles have been really bad against. Like you know, yeah. I don't know how much they played. bad for most. I of think the, the, the more interesting history. question would be between 12 and 16 when the Orioles were good. Like if if that's when you said, by the way, that's when all the games against the Brewers were played. You'd be like, wow, that's weird, right? But you know, in, otherwise, in, in 2014 when they played them, they lost two of three. Sons uh, of bitches at Milwaukee. Sons of bitches. Uh, so I wanted to do a random line because we did talk about doing a random uh, 2008 lineup. So the oh, first time damn it, we did do that, yeah, this is uh, going to be a tough one. The first time they went to piss uh, at Milwaukee in interleague play was 2008, June 20th. The Orioles did win this game, uh, eight to five at Milwaukee. But can you name the lineup? All right, Jay Payton. Jay Payton. Well, 
Is he on? Was no, he in the lineup no, or not? No, he was not. Why is this hard? Like, no, Jay Payton you, was not in the lineup. Adam Jones. Adam Jones was in the lineup. He's playing center field. He was batting seventh. Seventh. Okay. Uh, Nick McCarkis. Jay Payton, Jay Payton actually came in uh, as a pinch hitter. How about that? Yeah. Nick McCarkis. Uh, yes, Nick Markakis. Okay. Where Aubrey was he, Huff. Where was he hitting? Where he was, was batting he hitting? second. He was batting second. Aubrey oh. Huff was in the lineup, batting fourth. Four hit day for Aubrey Huff. Four ah, for, four for five him. and three RBIs. Tahada. Uh, uh, not Miguel Tejada, not Miguel Tejada. Brian Roberts. Brian Roberts was leading off, playing second base. Jay Gibbons. Jay Gibbons was not in the starting lineup. Corey Patterson. Corey Patterson, not in the lineup. We only have one other outfielder because I don't think Huff was Huff wasn't in left field, right? He was in first base. He yeah, was in so first base. Do we get the pitcher? Do we get the pitcher? You'll never get the pitcher. At all? Is it Adam Lowen? No. Oh no. It was uh, the only pitcher that they even Jason used. Johnson. No. Was Millard? No. Bergeson. No. Not Brad Bergeson. David Birkin or Jason. No. Bur- was Jason Birkin? Was that his name? Yeah, Jason Birkin, not him. Was was the only pitcher that they even used that I recognize? Uh, uh, chill, 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 okay. chill, chill. Uh, Melvin Mora. Melvin Mora batting third, playing third base. Was that his big RBI season? Was 2008? I think yeah, it was. It when, he, when he had like 140 might RBIs. No, I mean, Mora. he had some big seasons. Another more was one of the. Uh, was that still Ramon Hernandez catching? It was. It was indeed Ramon Hernandez batting fifth, right behind Aubrey Huff. Aubrey Huff, who hit two home runs. So, what positions have we not covered yet? We still shortstop, need shortstop, second base, and oh no, we got second Roberts because Roberts base. was second. left field, shortstop, and then yeah, because the, pitch, uh, the pitcher uh, hit. Uh, so uh, no uh, Luke Scott. Luke Scott was playing left nice. field. Yes. Uh, where was he hitting? Uh, he was batting sixth. So you need shortstop batting eighth. And then the pitcher batting ninth. Alex Cintron. No. Brendan Fahey. Julio Bo- Lugo. Was it Julio Lugo? No, it's not Freddie Boom Boom Bynum. Yep. Freddie Bynum. Fry- Ty Freddy Wigginton? Freddie Bynum. No Ty Wigginton? No Ty Wigginton in this lineup. All right, so now we just need this pitcher that you don't think we can come up with. <laughs> no. Hey. Uh, well, I mean, I, so it's not Guthrie? No. It was not, it's not, not Daniel Cabrera. Cabrera? No. I mean, this guy did not have much of a career. Dennis Sarfate. No. I only remember him. He, wait, wait, hold on. He, when, when I, he came in for relief, though. Did he? <laughs> yes. So here's the only reason I remember Dennis Sarfate. And I don't think, I didn't think he ever made a start. He played at Arizona State. And so when I first got to Arizona and I was needing to get guests on, I like called my friends at the Orioles, like, hey, I need some help getting some guests on. Can you, do you guys have anybody with any Arizona connections? And they were like, well, Dennis Sarfate. And I was like, <laughs> we'll put him on. R- irrelevant player from a terrible <laughs> baseball team. And I'm like, joining us now here on the Fan 1060, the great Dennis Sarfate. Uh, 2008, uh, Milton Moore did have 104 RBIs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, who was the pitcher? Who was the pitcher was we gotta go. Liz. Uh, oh, Rodimus Lees? Yes, Rodimus, Rodimus Lees. Lees. Son of a Rodimus bitch. Lees. I, no uh, clue I want to say he was part of a no-hitter in the minors, if I remember correctly. Rodimus Lees was, might not have been a complete George, game. So it was June 20th. George Sherrill got the save. It was his 25th save of the season. The Orioles were 39-34. and 34 Yeah, they got off to a surprise. Point, remember, like, this is when, um, what's his face, uh, Kevin Millar did that goofy, like, Orioles Magic remake video mm. because they were, like, buying it. And that was, the, I do remember bringing that up with Dennis Sarfate. I returned to Baltimore that July is when I came back. And I remember, like when it was when it was becoming real for me that I was going to come back. I was like, "Man, the Orioles kind of matter. Like this could be fun." 
not the case. The Brewers had an ins- insane lineup. They had Craig Council, J.J. Hardy, Ryan Braun, Prince Fielder, Corey Hart. Gabe Kapler was playing center field. Okay. Jason Kendall was catching. Wow. Wow. <laughs> At one point in his lineup. career, Jason Kendall, here's a fun... At one point, Jason Kendall was a legit leadoff hitter. Was I mean, catching... Is that Nigel Morgan, too? Because he was stealing bases. Right? Yes, he yeah. was. Like, go Look up Jason Kendall, how many bases. I, I guarantee he had a 25 stolen base season. I can't guarantee. I can't guarantee anything about that. But I'm going to bet that he had a 25 stolen, stolen bases. bases. Stolen bases here. He had one, yes. He had yeah, one. he did. 26 yeah, steals in did. 1998. Yeah, he did. And then three more uh, 20 at, stolen base Look seasons. at your guy over here as a catcher. As a catcher. As a catcher. Was a legit stolen base threat and was leading off. That's That's great. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, sports trivia question. We, we we had trivia last night. Uh, name the four pitchers that have won four or more Cy Young awards. Nolan Ryan. I got one wrong, by the way. Uh, not Nolan Ryan. Okay, so I didn't get one. That was just a, that I knew that. Randy no, Johnson. Didn't. Randy Johnson, yes. Four Cy Youngs. Uh-huh. Bob Gibson. Not Bob Gibson. That was a name I tossed out at mm. one point when we were debating this, but I did not go with Bob Gibson. Cy Young ever win the Cy Young? No. No, no very much did not. Um, Come on, let's man. go. Okay. Throw out okay. names. It's Whitey, Whitey Ford, not Whitey Ford. Verlander. I. That was what we got wrong. Mm. I. I thought the last one was Verlander's fourth. It was his third. Darn. There's the. There wouldn't be really another. Is there another modern guy then? Come on, keep naming Kershaw. names. Kershaw. Not Kershaw. No. Degrom's only has three, right? No. Yeah. Hmm. Come on, hmm. Carson. Help me out. Zito, Mulder. No. Uh, Gagne. No, you're like maybe. The greatest Sandy pitchers Kofax. of all time. Sandy not Koufax. His career was too short. Yeah. Who else? Drysdale. Not Drysdale. Mm. I mean, there's Carlton. Steve Carlton. Thank you. That was the one. And by the way, we were down to. I literally looked at. I was like, "Do you guys like Verlander or Carlton better?" And we decided to go with Verlander mm. because I it was I said Verlander before I said Carlton, so that was why we decided to go with Verlander. You got two of them. You're literally missing two of the greatest pitchers of all time. Yeah. Jesus. Obviously. Um I'm like psych- you're like psyching me out. I know. It's I got the pressure on Pedro. You. Pedro's a good guess. Much better guess. Not Roger correct. Clemens. Roger Clemens, thank you. Yeah. Most Cy Young's all time, Roger Clemens. How many did he have? Seven, I think. Holy cow. I did not know he had seven. And then last one. Juan Marichal. It's interesting is there's a particular team and you haven't named any of them. Felix their Hernandez. No. Uh, a particular team. Yeah, but was name. pretty good at pitching for a long time. Had a great reputation. Jim Palmer. Well, not Jim Palmer, but I understand why you're... Had an incredible reputation for pitching. Had three starters that were... Like, whenever we talk about teams that have great pitching, we always compare them to this. The 2012 Tigers, no. I hate you. <laughs> uh, give me... Give me... Greg Maddox, yeah, you Greg son of Maddox. a bitch. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, that was going to say. Oh, yeah, we never named any Braves, Braves. guys. yeah. Uh, the other one we got was there was a category of uh, these people share a name with the name of a college, and one of them was Condoleezza Rice, and I don't remember what the first one was. Oh, it was uh, Chris Cornell. And then the second one was this L.A. Laker was the first player to ever score 70 points in a game. It was the first player ever. In it. Elgin Baylor. Thank you. Well done. Apparently a lot of dummies put Bryant. Hmm. Like, Chief... He was not the first player to score seven. I get it. There's he has too same, many great. He has the same before. name as a college. I understand that, but he's definitely not the first player to it's ever good score seventy points a game. Fooled enough people. It was a very good one. Elgin Baylor. 
All right, uh, very good. Here's coming up totally tubular-wise. Um, one more, the Djokovic match is about to end, and then one more quarterfinal today, as I mentioned, a big one. Carlos Alcaraz, Stefano Tsitsipas coming up on the Tennis Channel. From the French Open, Orioles-Brewers, 740. Ugh. Kyle Gibson, Freddie Peralta, the pitching matchup there. Uh, ESPN's got a 30 for 30 about Bill Walton tonight. Uh, it's a two-parter, but they're both parts are airing tonight starting at 8 o'clock. It's called The Luckiest Guy in the World. Then they got The Ultimate Fighter at 10. CBS Sports Network, Indiana Fever, Chicago Sky at 8. LA Sparks, Seattle Storm at 10. The rest of the baseball you'll find online. USA for WWE NXT tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, no. Okay, great. Thanks <laughs> to not. everybody. At, thanks. Wait, what are you on, on social? Uh, at Carson Ware. At Carson Ware. There's Thank a documentary you. about the Champions League on Paramount Plus. Sure. Yes. That's, That's something worth yeah. mentioning. Sure. European Nights. Destination European Nights. Thanks today to Ralph Regan. Thanks also to Drew Forrester, who made a cameo appearance. Thanks to Ryan McKenna. And thanks to Chuck Pagano. We'll get all of that up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at com. On the program tomorrow. Griffin's not Nothing here. Nothing confirmed. Oh, yet. boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. We got some work to do. Very good. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, the Baltimore Orioles, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, All-American Lacrosse, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass is how you follow him. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. <laughs>